They are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time. Featuring Joe C. Dang it! Matt Hayes. I'm not running over the Barnett Tower and heaving myself off. Mia O'Brien. One of those bugs just flew in my yeah, head. And Leon Searcy. Keep everything above the way. How you like me now? How you like me now? Rock and roll. A Thursday. You're starting to see guys work out up at the NFL Combine. Ready to rock and roll with XL Prime Time as we get into the noon hour. Mia O'Brien up in Indianapolis, along with Frank Frangie and Hayes Carline, and they've been delivering all sorts of intel uh, to all of us uh, that we've been able to enjoy, listening to the head coach, the general manager, now plenty of player interviews that will be coming our way, and then a few others that they've sat down with, uh, including a Chris Sims, a Chris Spielman, a handful of others that we will make sure you get to hear a little bit of today. We've got all sorts of questions that are surrounding the combine. We've got a little hoop from last night. Uh, who are you looking at? No, I remember that walk, bro. Oh, oh, yes. I remember oh, that walk so- from the hotel to the uh, to the combine stadium. Yeah, man. Where it's bring all back, linked bring up. About, bring it back fond memories, man. <laughs> He's looking up, and I can just see him now. You and knew. I have my game face on, too. I, I, I have my game face on. I, I'm looking at these guys right now, you know, some smiling, some giggling, some with their game face. But I approached the combine when I was there in 1992 like it was a game. That so I don't doubt. So you saw the Samoan from BYU. Well, yeah, you know, man. But that I do not doubt. <laughs> I do not doubt you looked at the game or you looked at the combine like it was a game. Absolutely. It was a business yeah, trip. Absolutely. We, we, me and my First of all, you and your agent has a conversation. All right? This is a business trip. You, you, you treat the combine like a bowl game, a championship game. And that's where I was. I was focused there. I was focused on competing and winning. You know what I mean, I, the guys the guys around you, everybody, you know, there's a camaraderie and guys, you know, befriend each other mm-hmm. and from different schools and all that kind of stuff. And I did for the most part. But when, when it came to, to actual doing the drills, mm-hmm. oh, I was, I was trying to beat you. I, I was trying to literally beat you at every drill. And I love when he says it because I believe him 100% because I smile when I hear the stories that other guys have told about him through – uh, in on walkthrough days, remember Matt? All yeah, these players would tell us Leon would show up in a walkthrough day, taped, fully taped, taped, Absolutely. taped, and ready to go, full speed. Yeah, and full he speed would, Why wouldn't you? Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. That was my yeah. temperament, game, right? Well, that was my temperament. Yeah, yeah. It's that's a, the way it should yeah, be. I mean, yes, that's a it's, that's a job interview. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to look at that. It's if you truth. are any of those 300 guys there, that mm-hmm. is a job interview. And it's as much about how you deal with them face-to-face when they stress you as it is what you do on the field and what your game tape says. This is where they're trying to get in your head. This is where they're trying to mentally upset you yeah, and get you off kilter so they see how you react when you're stressed because that is a direct correlation to how you react on the field when you're stressed. Exactly. It's, it's, a, tr- exactly. it's a stress test. Absolutely. The interviews – the, the medical part, the drills, all that kind of stuff. It's a stress test. We want to see if you can handle I'm ready to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. <laughs> I am ready to go. We begin our weekend on a Thursday right here on XL Primetime, and we are definitely leaning on Leon uh, for uh, just the actual feel of what it's like to go through this. Uh, and we see so many more cameras, so much more coverage than what you had back in the day. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it still boils down to there are 32 sets of eyes on you. It could be head coach, it could be position coach, it could be general manager, whomever. But but, but here's the thing: if, if if you're a player, yeah, you got all this attention on you and all that kind of stuff. 
but you've been there before. To be quite honest, guys that have played in big time ball games, yeah, the big the Power Five universities, you've played in these games before. You played in front of 80, 90, 100,000. All right? right, don't let the NFL, don't let the NFL bother you. All right, you, you, yeah, you got GMs, you got scouts there, you got you got presidents, general managers, mm-hmm. whatever. But you've been here before. Just don't don't make football bigger than what it is. Don't flip or trip. Ah. Uh, and, and just yeah, be be who you are, and yeah. that's that's honestly what they're trying to find out. All right, so Mia will join us in about say 15, 20 minutes, and we'll get a take from her as far as what what we're looking at because you got stars that are coming into the building that are going to start their workouts today. Now, when I mention all the extra cameras, you look up and you see Bo Nix walking by. You see all the other quarterbacks that are coming by. Nix knows people are talking about him. Nix knows that he could be a first-round draft pick. How much did he change people's opinions the last two years in Pac-12 play versus his first few years, his first six or seven Years, uh, I don't know. He played. Come on, it was only three. Yeah, he started over sixty games, which is still crazy. But anyway, his SEC play versus his Pac-12 play. How much did people's opinion change? And it changed dramatically, at least from from everything you gather. So we can talk quarterbacks and at least set it up to start off our show with that quarterback position because it's the most important. Every single year, you see another crop of them come in, and you're like, "Is this the best?" Well, we gave you the example yesterday. The class that included Trevor, number one overall, Zach Wilson, second, Justin Fields, top 10, Mac Jones, top 15. And there's only one lock among those right now, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Justin Fields probably going to be moving on. That's at least the line of thinking. Zach Wilson yesterday given permission to seek a trade by his uh, uh, general manager, Joe Douglas, uh, to, I, to which I say good luck with that. Uh, he's going to seek a trade. Mac Jones is is he's bench riding. That's what he is right now because they're yeah, going I mean, with a new quarterback. I mean, of those four, the only one, the only franchise that feels comfortable. That's it. Is the Jaguars? Yeah. So so take and it. Take, I don't even know if it's comfortable. I think they realize he's got to get better. Right. He but, realizes he's got to get better. So that entire quarterback class is still kind of iffy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just embrace. Just embrace who you have versus those other teams that are dealing with real problems. This team wants to clean up turnovers. Those teams want to have to start over. This one's turnovers. That one's start over. That's a big difference when you think about that. All right, so uh, Denmark, as he continues his pursuit of taking J.J.'s gig away from him uh, as he's over across the pond in Italy, uh, Denmark doing double duty, uh, moving from Jaguars today right into uh, XL primetime. So play the soundbite uh, that Dan Orlovsky had because the chatter right now is – the quarterback position, as valuable as it is, and we just mentioned three, or excuse me, four of the top 15 selections in the draft going back to 2021. And so everyone's saying, all right, as long as you get one of these quarterbacks, you'll be okay. And in this case, it's Caleb Williams, it's Jaden Daniels, it's Drake May, mm-hmm. and you can throw a J.J. McCarthy, a Bo Nix, mm-hmm. a Michael Penix into this conversation. That's six. You have Somebody's no... been telling you guys who the best of that group is, and none yeah. of you guys have been believing me. Uh, Although yeah. now, Dano, you, hey, you, listen, Dano. You, you better not try and take <laughs> me out of that pile because you know how long I've, I've been in love with Jaden Daniels longer than you've been in love with Tua. Actually, that's probably the No, I, I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he love you some Tua. Right? All right, let's hear Dano. Yeah. That? All right, so here's Dan Orlovsky, NFL Live, talking about what uh, the Chicago Bears should be doing. 
I have not thought that Caleb Williams was a lock at number one because I thought Drake May would be the guy. I was wrong in that. Jaden Daniels should be the guy. If I were the Chicago Bears right now, I would take Jaden Daniels out of LSU. So that's a big statement, and he even admits when he makes that statement, Leon, that he wanted, he thought it would be Drake May. And I, and you guys know I was in that camp. I mm -hmm. thought Drake May would rise. You did uh, have a crush on Drake May. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And, and, and I, I, I love what I see from him. I still think he is really going to be a good a good quarterback in the National Football League. But yeah. you guys know we all have all witnessed and watched and watched Jaden Daniels rise above everybody. He's the most dynamic quarterback in college football last year. He's must-see TV. He's the only guy where I'm looking on the TV. If I see LSU football, I'm watching. That game that they played, now they lost to Ole Miss. That Ole Miss game was spectacular. Jalen Daniels was spectacular. I, I hate to say it, against Florida. The run yeah. against Florida. Yeah. He had a three-game stretch, including that game absolutely. against Florida. Yeah, absolutely. He's oh. Listen, if he was 20 pounds heavier, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. We, we wouldn't be, we'd we be would having have. this conversation. He'll be the number one pick, absolutely. By I looked up his stats. I knew he won the Heisman. When I looked up his stats, you're talking about 40 touchdowns and four interceptions? Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Super Takes efficient. Takes care of the football. And then 10 more touchdowns and rushing. And 10 more touchdowns rushing. And, and mean, here's, here's, this, a, here's the thing with him, too, yeah. honestly. Um, I, I, the league now, the way the league is right now, you are now seeing not only coaches and offensive coordinators and play callers, they're, they're embracing the dual threat guys now. They're embracing the quarterback run part mm -hmm. of the quarterback because the bugaboo was you can't do that. Your quarterback's going to get killed, then you're playing with a second stringer. And now it's been proven over and over that these guys not only are dangerous in the run game, but they know how to stay healthy. They know how to avoid big hits. So now you start to think, all right, well, I've seen this guy. Again, tape is your resume. Right. I've seen him in the best league in, co in college football. I've seen him run past third-level defenses, run past them. Yeah. And I've also watched him as a thrower grow from a guy who was probably a 6 on a 1 out of 10 to a guy that's probably now closer to a 9 and his, hasn't come close to reaching his ceiling as a thrower. He's... Right now, again, and Leon said it earlier, we talked about this. If he was like 220, it wouldn't even be a question. Yeah, I, I keep saying it that I will make a comp on him to Jordan Love in the fact that he I, – I know Jordan Love's a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. but that's who he reminds me of stature-wise. And Jordan Love is right now – Jordan Love on. doesn't have the giddy-up he's got. I can tell you that right now. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying body type. He right. does not – Jordan Love does not look that thick or put together, and neither does Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is cat quick, decisive, accurate, and can take off and run. And so I just put him on a comp when I, as far as the width of the shoulders. Yeah. He looks kind of skinny. He can take a hit. He'll be so fine. Now, what, now, now, now I want to ask you this, Matt. As much as we're loving on him, he is dynamic. He should be the number one pick overall, right? He had two wide receivers. Yeah. on his team that are going top 15. Mm -hmm. When he goes – let's say he goes to Chicago. He's going to probably have one. Mm -hmm. I mean, can he can he still be that effective as a passer with not, not as much talent as he had at LSU? All right. Well, I mean, Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, right? And Marshall. What, Terrence what did, Marshall. Yeah, and Terrence Marshall. Yeah. What did, well, then, what did Joe, Burrow, Joe what Burrow came Joe and had got – Waddle, Devon Jordan. Smith. Do I need to go over all those but guys? No, no, no. But I'm saying, but Joe Burrow, yeah, he had those guys at LSU. But then when he go to the league, he's got Jamar Chase and got T. Higgins. Right. 
Right. I mean, so I mean that's comparable. I, I, so I, I think your your point of will he struggle if he's going to the worst team in the league? That's what I'm concerned with. Yeah, I think early on he may, mm-hmm. but you're also at a point now where I think the league is different now, where you can get free agent guys, and the Bears aren't bad at receiver right now. You can get a couple free agent pickups, or you can get a a, a, a second round pick where you can get a receiver that can help him out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I just think once you have that position figured out, you just build around him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I, I don't think they built around Justin Fields like they should have. Uh, you know, it's you got to go inside out. You got to start with your offensive line. You got to make sure you're protecting that guy. Yeah, um, and, and, and I don't think they did it the right way with Justin Fields. I think they've learned. Hopefully, mm-hmm. now you draft another guy, whether it's Jaden Daniels or whether it's whether it's uh, Caleb Williams. But you have to figure out now that we've got to protect this. guy. Okay, but yeah, let's mm-hmm. look at the reality of the National Football League. He ain't the only one. He's not been able to overcome poor offensive line play. But Joe Burrow has. Yes. Joe Burrow was sacked with the same situation. They didn't block for him, and he got sacked over and over and 70 over. 70 times to the point, one year, I think. To, to the point where he was injured two of his three years in, in the National Football League. He did not finish two seasons. One of them went to the Super Bowl, but the other two he did not finish. And the year he went to the Super Bowl, they were, he was sacked like 71 times, Oh, yeah, I think. 70 times. Yeah. And so – He's been able to overcome it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, whenever you do have that number one overall pick, you got to use it smartly, and then you've put every bit of your draft capital into that guy, and you don't have the other draft capital to make sure that you, that you get that line figured out. At least not everybody. They do, though, but they do. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's well, the key. And I also think, to your guy's point, is, and this is, goes directly to what both of you are saying, is Joe Burrow's also a thick dude. Mm-hmm. Jay Dana's not thick. No, if you don't protect him. He's going to get hurt. You, you are correct, sir. So I mean, like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a franchise changer. The Cincinnati Bengals were in, in disarray. Yeah. Until he came there and and, and re, you know rejuvenated them. Can Jaden Daniels be that same guy? Can he change that? Because the Chicago Bears has been a franchise that's been struggling for a long time. See, I can I, he be that guy? I compare him to Lamar. Lamar wasn't a thick guy when he got in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He was still on the yeah. sinewy side. He wasn't he was. skinny like Jaden Jones. He was sinewy. He was he was that he was that like slight but tight kind of frame. That's you know? a big journalist word right there. I know. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Say that word again. Say that word again. Sinewy. 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 I gotta look that. So. To use your phrase, Joe, he was slight but tight. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and now he's probably my guess is he's probably gained at least twenty pounds since he's been in the league. Probably yeah. twenty five. Yeah. He's a big dude, now. right? And the further you go along in your career, if you are successful, you figure it out when to take hits, when to not take hits. And Jaden Daniels, you can go back and you can think like the one that two of them I won't forget is when he leaps running straight up field into the middle of the defense and a right. dude just puts his can't do that puts right. the crown no, of his the helmet can't do that. on the sternum you i mean we're talking between the nipples okay of Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels. plus you know what else he is too he's so lamar is a is a shifty you know break your ankles Jaden's like a like a he kind of like shuffles and mm-hmm. then boom he's gone you know yeah. what i mean he finds yeah. a, he finds a little spot and then go Right. I don't know if you're going to be able to shuffle in the NFL, man. You shuffle in the NFL, you're going down. And then remember the other hit that Dallas Turner put on mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels? Yeah. It was a dirty hit, Yeah, and it knocked him out of that game. And that was that stretch we're talking about between Florida, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. Bama, those games. He yeah. was incredible. But, yeah, you're only going to get away with so many of those, and you're going to be knocked out. LSU uh, Ole Miss was the best college football game I watched all season. Yeah. It was a great game. <laughs> it was absolute. No defense, but I didn't care. None. I didn't care. 
Yeah. 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 yeah I absolutely. Didn't care. <laughs> all right. So, all right. And you guys hit the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures because, again, this can be a little bit of paralysis by analysis. Is Caleb Williams still the best in your mind? In Denmark, we might just set this up as a non-Jag related uh, X poll. Uh, but right now, put him in order. Who are you taking at the top if you had to select a quarterback? Now, you don't have to worry about that because you have Trevor. But what order are they in in your mind right now? Is it still Caleb, then Drake, then Jaden? Is it whatever? You can play the shell game. You can move them around anywhere you want. Just let us know because that's a difficult decision. But it's also a get well franchise decision if they make the right one. Is there one that you – who do you put the highest risk on? Is it now Drake May of the three that we just mentioned? that has the highest risk uh, because Caleb Williams, he's drawing Mahomes comps. Jaden Daniels is drawing, uh, I guess if you want to go with what Matt's saying, not Lamar Lamar, but the Lamar same. Lamar coming out of college. Yeah, but that same type of skill yeah. set. You know, which one of these guys could flame out? I guess I'd, I'd have to admit Drake May of the three, if I had to predict which one would be the most likely to flame out, I might say him over the other two. I don't know. I'm, I might even say Jaden. Of the of the three, yeah, yeah, I might just because he's got to get big quick, mm-hmm. quick, and I keep saying this, and I, you know, I I know LSU had him listed, I think at two ten. He's not two hundred and ten pounds, all right. Yeah, I I mean, I've literally stood right next to him. His shoulders, the width between his shoulders is tiny. Yeah, tiny. He, he's he's got to get bigger. There's no doubt about that. Because if he doesn't, he's he's gonna get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't have a meal plan at LSU. <laughs> I mean, you, you did, of course they do. That's that's another question: is can he actually put on the weight? Yeah, yeah oh, he needs a little little that's boudin a in the belly. Exactly. That's so, gonna right. be. I'm telling you right now. When all is said and done after these next three months, his number one negative is gonna be his size. Mm-hmm. And can he put on weight? So right. so at the combine, he shouldn't weigh in. I don't, he's going to have to weigh in somewhere, either Combiner's Pro Day, one or the other. Yeah, because I think at a minimum, those guys have to be measured. I think at a minimum, mm-hmm. they can't get away with anything. They have because, to do that. They have to do the medicals. They have to do the interviews. Yeah, because you, you remember a couple of years ago, we were, Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. we were talking about maybe he huh? shouldn't get you know, because right. his height or whatever. He spiked the hair a little bit that day. <laughs> he, he did. A bit. <laughs> he, he also did. had some. He had to throw. He was Michael Jackson. He picked the throw out. He picked the throw out. There was some kind of like stretch going on there too. There had to have been. I wouldn't doubt it. He was in uh, uh, with those shoes, upside down <laughs> shoes in the hotel room. What was he, 5'10 and a half or something? 5'11 and a half. I think they yeah. might have gotten no to 5'11. No chance. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm 5'11. I'm telling you, I've talked to him face-to-face. He's smaller than me. Yeah, oh, believe me. I, I, I don't doubt it because I kept predicting it the entire time uh, that he was going to come in 5'10. and I, It might have been 5'10 and a half or whatever it was. Uh, but th- So we'll just throw that out there on X uh, because if you had to make that decision, it ain't an easy one. That is for sure. Uh, and so, Denmark, let me know if you got that and how you phrased it just so we can give people a chance to jump in on that. Uh, but the Jaguars, and let me go to uh, our man that I like to call Augustus or Gustavo, either one. Uh, Gus Logue, big cat country, keeping track of the visits that the Jaguars are having with potential draft picks up at the Combine. And – I've already locked in on one guy that I like a lot uh, that Mia and Frange and them sat down with, and we'll at least get a soundbite from him coming up a little bit later on. But Ennis Rakestraw, the cornerback out of Missouri, is one of the guys that they have set up combine visits with uh, and just kind of pick up any of these, Maddie, that, that jump out for you. Uh, you I, got, mean, I, I like him a lot. I, I like Chris Abram, Abram Drains as much, mm-hmm. but Rakestraw runs better. But yeah. Abram Drains is the better player. 
He just doesn't run as fast. And, and look, there's there's some good kids coming out of Missouri. I got another sound bite from another one. Robinson's that, a real deal, whew, bro. Another one that, yeah, that I want to play. But just as far as guys that have been attached to the Jags, Ennis Rakestraw, uh, Washington defensive end Braylon Trice, uh, FSU def- defensive tackle Braden Fisk, uh, Jared Verse, of course, uh, out of FSU, Colorado State defensive end uh, Muhammad Kamara. A lot of D linemen. Yeah, and, and so I kind of wanted to focus in on this. So you've got Clemson defensive tackle, Ruke, uh, oh, Ahora Something like that. Ahora Hora. Yeah, Ahora Hora. Is that how you say it? Tora, 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 Ahora Hora. That might be right. Yeah, so Rook is, is one of the guys. I don't know how you say it. Uh, and then you've got a couple of other ones. Iowa State cornerback, uh, Penn State tight end, Theo Johnson, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then Penn State defensive end, Chop Robinson. So you have – Defensive tackles, defensive ends, guys that are all along that defensive front. As a matter of fact, if you look at the, at least right now, what's being reported, you can go to Big Cat Country and find this. But if you look at he's and, and what Gus does is he gives credit to everybody that's reporting these as far as scheduled visits. Could be ML football, uh, Devin Jackson, a handful of others, including me, uh, uh, reporting these. But you've got a couple – of cornerbacks, you have one tight end, and then the rest of the guys right now that are tied to the Jags as far as visitors are concerned are all along the defensive front. Mm-hmm. What say you? What does yeah. that tell you? Well, I mean, we definitely need help defensively. As much as we spent time on the offensive line interiorly, mm-hmm. defensive front, I mean, we need a guy, a run stopper, a run stopper and a pass rusher, a defensive tackle. And, or you get a DN to use as leverage – if Josh Allen's contract situation True. may not be, you know, may not be up to par, so to say. So, I mean, yeah. those, those, all those things factor in. So, I mean, I can understand what the Jaguars do, but the defensive front, I would love as much as I'm biased towards the offensive line and improving it, but defensively, down the stretch, mm-hmm. this last year, yeah. we struggled. Yeah, Stopping they faded the line. and folded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's make this the 10-10 take real quick, just to kind of at least get us started, because this is at least a jumping off point. This is not gospel. This is not guaranteed mm-hmm. as far as – the people they're going because they're going to talk to a bunch more. Uh, but let's throw this out there. Now, Josie's ten ten tape, slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pitmaster since '68. Now I already know the answer when I put this question out, but I still feel like I want to do it, and I already know the answer when it comes to Sonny's solving a riddle. It's slow, it's smoke, and then it's serving it fast, and you can count on all that. At any one of your area Sunnies, they have the riddle figured out for sure when it comes to delicious barbecue. So make sure you check them out. Ribs, chicken, turkey, pork, all those tremendous sides, whatever you want. Check it out at your area Sunnies. So I just gave you the list. You got a bunch of defensive ends, defensive tackles, a couple of cornerbacks, and a tight end uh, sandwich in there. Where are the offensive linemen? Now, I'm throwing the question out, and I already know the answer. They haven't really rolled through the building just yet, and so that is the answer. But I better see a bunch of offensive linemen when it comes to combine visits with your Jacksonville Jaguars because we just got through saying on the defensive side they didn't do what they needed to do down the stretch, but there is no question that they didn't do what they needed to do down the stretch when it came to converting on third down, on fourth down, and making sure Trevor was protected. So that's the 10-10 take. I better see a bunch of those big cats. You know what kind of lineman I want? I want the kind of lineman when you fly them in, they need two seats on the plane. (laughs) <laughs> I want no one. If I see a one seat lineman, I, 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 he ain't for us. Hey, I, hey, two what, seat. 
What about? Yeah, and he needs the he needs the, the yeah, extra band. Thighs, he right? needs the belt buckle extension when he gets on the plane. Okay, all right. So I want wide bodies. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, that's what we need. So uh, here's the thing. I, I got some bad news for you. I think, man. I, I, after listening, Doug Peterson, mm-hmm. listening to Trent Baalke, I, I think they're sold on their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And Don't I think say that. I, I'm please, telling uh, you, man. It just, I got a bad that's feeling. Bla- that's blasphemy. I think they're zeroing on the defensive line. They might be, but I—I I, I mean, look at who, look at all who they had interviews already with. I know. I, and the I tr- I'm trying to answer them the all. The only saving question. grace is the O line isn't there yet, right? right? Yeah, that's that's right. the answer to my question right now is that they will have them on their visit list when it's all said and done, and they better not not have them on their list. But let's just stay on that subject. We'll get up to uh, Indianapolis. Say hello to me. You see what's what's cooking up there. Talking to the cornerbacks, which also will be. A, a big, big priority, I think, for this football team as we get ready for 2024. It's XL Prime Time as we are here in beautiful Duval and then also up in Indianapolis. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Hanging out on a Thursday afternoon. It's XL Primetime. Joe C., Matty Hayes, Leon Cersei, Denmark in for J.J. this week as he continues, uh, J.J. does, uh, his honeymoon uh, over across the pond in beautiful Italy. And up in Indianapolis is Mia O'Brien. We're going to go up to her in a second. But, hey, my man Big Vic, uh, he did chime in because Big Cerse had to say something about that training table down there in LSU uh, in Baton Rouge uh, and getting some LBs on one Jaden Daniels. He says, yes, Leon, we got a five-star kitchen for our boys Ribeyes, crawfish etouffee, gumbo, and jambalaya. Food so good you'd have to, you'd have to make it or leave the you. So mm. he's I'm pretty sure they feed him alligator there too. Yeah, I'll guarantee uh, you they stuck a week, gator, pulled mm-hmm. him out of the pond. I'm just concerned because I mean they, there should be some starch and some fat in the in the menu uh, items, and he doesn't seem to be putting on. I mean, honestly, way. I bet they. They filled him full of all kind of weight gains. And he just some kept burning it off. Yeah, some yeah, guys because, just don't gain. Hey, listen, if you got jambalaya, you got to put it over some white rice. If you got some etouffee, yeah, yeah. With some hot sauce. Yeah, same thing. And to be fair to him, he did get bigger from when he was at Arizona State. He was literally spinning. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, yeah. So he got a little bigger at least. All right, let's head up. Say hello to Mia. Mia uh, on the grounds in Indianapolis <laughs> and uh, working the secondary room, right, uh, earlier today? Yes, yes. We had the safeties in the morning session, the tight ends briefly in the 10 a.m. window, and then defensive backs for the last hour and a half. Um, I can't confirm because I'm in the process of trying to quickly edit an interview we did with Chris Sims that I know Matt Hayes is dying to hear what he had to say about Trevor Lawrence, Mm -hmm. but the last defensive back we are waiting on is Quinion Mitchell, who I heard from some people on the floor hadn't arrived yet at the combine. I'm just assuming he's doing medicals and hasn't arrived to this part of the convention center, but uh, certainly a situation to monitor and Hayes Carlion is waiting by. So hopefully Quinion is talking right now, and I just can't see him, um, if nothing else. Yeah, and I, I saw a couple of the quotes that you had from Ennis Rakestraw, one of the guys that I, that I love, uh, and we will find out whether or not that's a guy that they're locking in on. But at the very least, we know that they're going to sit down with him. The Jaguars, I'm talking, are going to sit down with him, and he easily could be a guy that they're looking at uh, to help fill the, uh, the cornerback room. 
Yeah, he lit up when I asked about the Jaguars, and uh, that was a pretty telling sign, uh, especially when I asked about Ryan Nielsen. And without even questioning it, he was like man-to-man and put on this, like, you know, I, I used the, the devil emoji smile, and people mm-hmm. were like, why are you using that? I'm like, watch the tape. Like, he, he literally, like, just kept doing that, like, evil little smirk that, like, he knows what the Jaguars have, and he clearly knows the Jaguars are interested in him. And just hearing how he refers to press man as a lifestyle that he lives by, um, if that is truly what Ryan Nielsen's defense is and and that is who the the Jaguars want to be in 2024 then yeah he makes a whole heck of a lot of sense at 17 and the question is will he be there I've seen you know Bucky Brooks said he's not so sure he's going to be there uh, although you are going to have to watch the Tenton XL YouTube channel to see who Bucky picked among Mm -hmm. our ask the analyst segment that we're going to be posting in a couple of days okay so we're all guilty of being prisoner of the moment do you feel now, you think, that the Jags might be leaning corner, or is it just because that's what you've heard so far on the offensive linemen aren't there? Yeah, I mean, I'm a prisoner of the moment, undoubtedly, Matt. And, like, I keep going back and forth about is it a smokescreen, is it not? Um, both Chris Sims and uh, we also caught up with Rick Spielman both said that, like, they don't think – corner is as pressing a need pun intended as perhaps many others believe um i think it's just about the value at you know at 17 overall i asked trent bulky you know you did once upon a time draft a guard at 17 overall when you were with the san francisco 49ers and so i don't think it's out of the question in terms of like the value and is it kosher or not but you know at the same time if he feels like he can have an elite corner and Darius Williams is turning 31 although Chris Sims was very complimentary of him you know and you say hey we also need to find somebody who has inside outside versatility are you going to find that guy who can play the nickel for you this year while Darius is playing and then after he departs assuming he does next year then do you have a guy that immediately from that nickel spot can move to the boundary now Mia I I know that um all the teams there are posturing. Now, nobody, it's, everybody has their poker face. They don't want to show their hand or who they're going to go after, whatever. But I know this is the first day of workouts, but has there been anybody that the Jaguars have talked to or interviewed that they've been overly impressed with, regardless of position? Um, not that I've heard any specific names, Leon. I've been trying to pry as much as I can to, to see if that's the case. I think it's still very early in the process. Um, and, and like, I know you guys were just talking about in the last segment, like they haven't gotten to the offensive lineman yet. So can you really have a full evaluation? Um, but from what I was told, they had some solid interviews yesterday morning, last night. And so, um, hopefully that trend continues, but yeah, I, I was, I was just very impressed with the defensive back group myself overall I do think that there is value personally in the second third fourth round I know Matt you know mentioned about Chris Abrams drain who I didn't get a chance to catch today because we were talking with Chris with Rick Spielman and Chris Sims um and he had already rushed off the podium but like that's a guy who you can get in the third round and you say like you know is it a matter of were they throwing to him or not Kyrie Jackson from Oregon said part of why people don't know my game is that guys weren't throwing at me because they knew what I could do you also look at I I had a very great I had a very nice conversation with Cam Hart, uh, the defensive back out of Notre Dame, and he stressed how he believes his ability to play inside, outside, and even at the safety spot is why teams are going to value him, and perhaps he does go in the second round. He's also a veteran guy, polished, speaks very well, and so does that win over the Jags in interviews? And so I think there's a lot to like in this defensive back group. Um, and not that I wasn't impressed by the, the defensive lineman yesterday, but I, I just came away from today like, okay, there's, there's some dudes who I can see how they would perform in interviews 
win over the Jaguars, and if the play is also there, then that's a home run, regardless of which round they're selected. Yeah, and I, I didn't mind seeing the names as well as far as the defensive end or the interior linemen are concerned, Mia, because uh, this football team, and we've said it uh, a bunch of different ways, that just because they have something doesn't mean that they have everything. And adding one more pass rusher, one more edge guy, uh, don't, don't think that's a crazy thought. And then also really drill down on who you can look at through the draft in the interior part of that defensive front. We mentioned Fisk yesterday from Florida State uh, and many others that have at least been penciled in uh, visiting with the Jags. They have to impact several position rooms on the defensive side to be better. Yeah, there's no question about it. And, again, it also goes back to value. It goes back to the depth of this class. Again, I just spoke so highly of how many different defensive backs with different styles and, you know, different pedigrees, if you may. And then you look at this defensive line group, and it just isn't as deep as maybe it was in previous years. And so do you say, you know what, we're not going to get a a guy we can plug and play or even we could – you know, in the second half of the season need to be a part of our defensive line rotation in the third round. We got to get that guy in the first or second round or else we're SOL. I think you're going to see that with the wide receiver group. They will take the floor here for media availability tomorrow. I think that's going to be a a fascinating situation. Obviously, the Calvin Ridley contract situation is certainly a a factor in that. But I I do think regardless of if they re-sign Ridley or not, the Jags have to consider Zay Jones in a contract year, Christian Kirk approaching the second half of his four-year contract, and how do you prepare for life after the two of them? Yes, you certainly drafted Parker Washington. You signed Elijah Cooks. You, quote-unquote, found a diamond in the rough there. But I I do think they are going to have to say – are we going to bank on finding a guy in the fourth or fifth round, or do we need to say, no, we need to start planning and get a guy who can grow with Trevor at that position? So, so many different ops, uh, di- different variables that are being weighed. So, Mia, last year, I mean, we found ourselves in a situation where, you know, Cam Robertson was going on suspension and we had to draft a guy like Anton, you know, Harrison at the right tackle position. Could there be a situation you see this year with the Josh Allen contract Maybe it's not going as well. Could you see a situation where we go get a defensive end as far as leverage goes if Josh Allen deal doesn't get done or there's a situation where he may be holding out? Well, two things on that front, Leon. It's a great question. Um, number one, Anton Harrison, again, and I've said this, like he was, he was the number one tackle on their board before they got to the combine last February. There was a chance that he was there in the second round, and even if they had you know, decided to go a different direction, and I believe, what, they picked 24 last year and eventually moved back to 28 or 23, whatever it was. Um, like they, He was a guy that they were targeting, and I think they were hoping he would slide to the second. They could move up and get him there. Yes, the Cam Robinson situation escalated it. Um, it thankfully didn't end up compromising them all too much as they were able to move back, acquire some more capital, and still get their guy. Um, I don't think it's out of recency bias to suggest the Jaguars would operate in the manner you just alluded to, given, and I know it was Dave Caldwell, but Trent Bulky was in the building. You go back to 2020 when, you know, you tag Yannick Ngakwe, you had traded away Jalen Ramsey, and you literally go out and you draft a corner in C.J. Henderson and a you know, undersized pass rusher in Caleb on chase on. You literally went to typecasting and got the two guys to replace the two guys that you were going to lose. Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I, I don't think the, yes, is there, you know, is there 
Is there discontent in Josh Allen's camp? Certainly. They want him to get paid. I don't blame them either. Um, But I don't think it's at a point where they would be trying to create leverage like that per se. If they were to go edge rusher, Leon, I truly believe it's because Ryan Nielsen says, I need a platoon of guys. I can't just have 44 and 41 playing 85% of the snaps. So with 45 and the like behind him. Right. Right. Oh, of course 45 yeah. is going to be there. Yeah. Don't you forget it. Yes, absolutely. I vote for 45. I'm just yeah. kidding. So so Trent Baalke said he was. They had a meeting set up with Josh Allen's representatives. I'm sure Josh Allen's representatives are there. And mm-hmm. have you had a chance to maybe catch up to some of his representatives, have, get a little info, a little intel on the, the, the vibe of the process right now? I have not gotten a chance to. Um, that is something I'm going to be exploring today. Um, I-, I was pretty bogged down with uh, some of our content with Doug and Trent on Tuesday and then uh, the AFC South Voices podcast, which you, sh- you should go listen to on the 1010XL podcast network and video channels um, from yesterday as well. But, yes, th- I do know that they were meeting. I do know that Josh's representation group is here. Um, I also know the location that they're here. Um, so it is something that I-, I will be monitoring, but I haven't heard any – specific tangible fallout from those conversations just yet all right so real quick before you leave just set up how you see the rest of the afternoon and then and then obviously we'll have you back on uh we have mentioned cooper DeGene, we have mentioned uh terry and arnold a handful of other guys in the secondary uh hopefully we'll be able to hear from maybe one or two of those as we go along today Yes, Hayes Carlion caught up with Terry and Arnold, and so hopefully um, we'll be able to get some content from there. Um, I, I was able to catch the tail end of Cooper DeGene. Unfortunately, he was late to his availability because of doing national, mm-hmm. and then they pulled him early because he had to do national. Um, but, look, I'm going to tell you guys right now, I, I knew this from interacting with him when he was in high school. If you're looking for a soundbite, you're not going to get that from Cooper DeGene. The dude mm-hmm. is all ball. He's all film. He's got a monotone voice, so I'm just I'm just warning you right now. Not that you know I say all that, and he's the pick at 17. Oh, look at that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, look, does he have the versatility that I think the Jags crave? Yes, I do think there's some other players too that they could be looking at there. I think Cooper DeGene could be gone, you know, depending on how he performs at Iowa's Pro Day in a few weeks because he won't uh, participate at the combine as he's still recovering from that season-ending injury. Um, but yeah, you'll hear from Terry and Arnold. Um, I know off the top of my head, um, you know, we obviously have the the Rake Straw comments that I thought were extremely telling. Um, Namaya Pritchett out of Auburn is a guy that before the combine, many people knew that he had spoken or had been reported, I should say, that the Jaguars had met with him. He was extremely complimentary of them, was very impressed with Mike Samersill out of Michigan, the nickel linebacker. You can find that content on my social channels and we'll have it on 1010s as well. So a lot of quality video uh, interviews, clips from these interviews this morning. That'll be on 1010XL. We also, again, sat down with Rick Spielman and with Chris Sims, so those interviews will also be up, and I believe we will play them on XL Primetime, if not later in the day, Um, and hopefully going to catch up with a few more analysts too. So we have a whole lot cranking here. I'm going to get to video editing, and I will talk to you guys after. All right. Sounds good. Now, Mia, you would know this. Caitlin Clark, Clark, did she get her 51? Yes. Did she get her 51 points? Uh, so she is. So she passed um, the. Um, I'm blanking on what her name is. The woman from Kansas, yeah. because the NCAA like mm. doesn't recognize six-player basketball, which I agree with Lisa Bluter. It's absolute. It's a joke um, that we're just like saying that that part of college basketball history didn't exist. Um, so yeah, and that was before the three-point line. So yeah, she passed. Um, she passed the the woman from Kansas. She is now 17 points away, I believe it is, from Pete Maravich. I have no no doubts that she will pass that on Sunday against Ohio State if it is in fact 17 points. Yeah. All right. Sounds good, Mia. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you in a bit. All right. Uh, 
Hodges, Mazda at the avenues, along with Wonder World, uh, making sure that they are bringing you the best in the NFL combine coverage. Uh, Caitlin Clark, uh, that scoring record versus Pistol Pete, no comparison. Okay, it ain't the same, but if that's how they want to couch it, that's fine. But it ain't the same. Okay, that much. Want to get so many people in the text line (laughs) coming after you? It ain't. Well, it's. I I I think she deserves to be heralded for what she's done. There's no doubt about that. What she's done is phenomenal. Yeah, it's not even the same stratosphere as Pete Maravich. Yeah, not even. Not you're talking about a guy who averaged. I'm gonna say that again. Averaged 41 points a game in three seasons at LSU, where he played less games than Caitlin Clark, yeah. considerably less games, and there was no three-point line. No, no. no. And, and you know what else? There were 16 teams who made the tournament. Yeah, exactly. It, you had to be the best. Anyway, it's just it's just different. That's all. Just no comparison. Not saying it's not good. Just right. different. Yeah. All right. Now let's get back to our ex poll. That was very male of you. <laughs> it's not male of me. It's reality of me. I don't know how anyone could not look at that oh, and say, "Yeah, yeah. that's a great point." Uh, ex poll, uh, Denmark. Uh, throw it out there because we started off by saying at least Dan Orlovsky uh, is kind of coming over to our way of thinking that we love Jaden Daniels uh, and that he may be the best uh, pick in the draft. Yeah, question of the day brought to you by Beaver Chevrolet. What order do you think these three QBs will go in the NFL draft? Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jane Daniels. All you got to do is reply on X and put them in the order that you would take them in. Uh, or you can do it any way you want if you think the way that the teams will go. Just explain it. Just give us a quick thought, and we'll try and get some of those off of X at 1010XL. We would love to hear from you there. So when we talk about these guys, and uh, Mia mentioned that Terry and Arnold sat down uh, with Hayes Carline, so we'll be able to make sure we find some of that sound. You got Nate Wiggins, uh, who was also up there, a uh, kid that certainly is extremely talented. Dejean, we mentioned, and then also when you start talking about Quinion Mitchell and Kool Aid, uh, Kool Aid McKinstry is an interesting guy. He's six one, hundred ninety five pounds. He runs pretty fast. I don't know exactly what he's going to test, but it's probably going to be over four or five that may be a killer. that's going to be his issue yeah his yeah. issue is his is, is he's not going to test well as a guy who can run whereas terry and arnold yeah will he'll fly and they're they're very you know they're similar body types similar type players um Cooley's a little thicker but terry and arnold's a terrific player they both are i think they're both really good players yeah and so you have to remind yourself both of those guys were playing <clears throat> wearing the crimson that's why he that's why he hit the combine yeah he's not going to run well but in the game, does he have game yeah, speed? Yeah, I know. I know. Does he have game speed? Not that, only that, that, not only that. Last year, before Terry and Arnold kind of developed, I mean, twenty twenty two is what I mean. They weren't even throwing at McKinstry because he was the only guy that could cover that secondary. Yeah. They they wouldn't, didn't even throw at him. And here's the thing: when you say run well, the combine is a straight line. Exactly. Everybody knows when you're playing games, you got to move and maneuver. Exactly. You got to be able to change directions. That that game speed is different than straight line speed. Preach, dog. Preach. I'm just saying, bro. But it's, I, I'm just saying. It's the truth. That's why the tape should not be ignored. Right. Okay. Yes. It's your resume. Yes. Combine eyes. They make you forget but it what does. you saw on yes, a football it does. field. You better believe it does. It's it, it's a season in and of itself. It's a cottage industry in and of itself. But it makes you forget what you saw. Football, and, football is this combine the straight line. The football football is waves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you're in and out of plays. Well, you just know? imagine I, this. Plus it's also can you play the game? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just also imagine that. This. Okay. <laughs> let's just let's just go with the bigs. 
okay, Terry and Arnold, Kool-Aid, whomever, they're lining up against Marvin Harrison. Is that just a go route? Uh, no. Uh, they're going to turn their hips and yes. run. Absolutely. Okay, and the same thing with Malik well, Neighbors. Well, the first and, thing they're going to have to do is get off the line of scrimmage. That's the first thing they're going to have to do. Yeah, true, mm-hmm. true. And, and so, and I, I, let, let me go back to Ennis Rakestraw and, and the couple of quotes that he had. I love the fact that this guy's saying, I am a man-to-man guy. Now, he's got to prove it in an NFL setting, but you want those guys that have that <laughs> attitude, that confidence, put me on an island. Listen, do you, do you know the only time I ran a 40? is when Fred broke free and I went jog down there to, to congratulate him. That's the only time I ran the 40, man, Hayes. You never That's the it. only time I ran the 40 is when Fred T. broke it for a touchdown. Think? What do you think and I, I jog, I jog 50 yards in the end zone to congratulate him. Oh, Would you beautiful. run like a 5'8", then? 5'8". Yeah, when you were jogging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was slow. All right, so let me remind you of these. Yeah, I didn't mean when you were running. Come oh, on. yeah, 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 yeah. I was five jogging. Oh, yeah. Five flat. You know, no, you were under five flat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so you did run sub sub five. Yeah. Okay, so let me remind everybody, and this is Anton Harrison a year ago, all right? A year ago, his combine stats measured in 6'4, 6'4, 315 pounds, 40 time 4.98. He's flying. How how, how much did he weigh? He weighed 315 pounds. Oh, he's rolling. 4.98. His 10 yard split, do you remember yours? Mm, I don't even think we had 10 yards split. Okay, 1.77. That's really good. That's good. That's get off. Yeah. Yeah, 1. cuz honestly, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking of more than anything yeah, that's, else. Yeah, that's the most important thing, the 10-yard right. split. Ten You'll get right. that that that's that's the explosion. That's the hips, that's the thighs, that's the right. coming off the ball. Can you get to your block? Absolutely. Okay. Uh vertical jump, do you remember? My vertical jump? Yeah. Uh my pro day my vertical jump was 28. Okay, 28 and a half from Anton. Mm, okay. Uh, broad jump? My broad jump was 9-2. Oh, this was 8 feet 9 inches. So were you he don't want this smoke. He don't want this smoke. What you're telling me is he should be picked around 11 I, I, or 11. I'm just saying, he don't want this smoke. Go <laughs> yeah. ahead. So there you go. Those were his numbers uh, a season ago. And, and look, all you're looking for is as much as you can get out of any of these guys. And like I said, I don't know whether they're going to go small guy, big guy. Uh, there are fewer big men playing this sport, walking the planet, so that's probably a good way to approach this. Uh, but if they do get s- some lock corners, guys that they see the future uh, in Ryan Nielsen's defense, then, yeah. then I'm all about that too. Yeah. Now, here's the reason why I don't want to fall in love with Anton Harrison. You know the reason why I want to fall? Because I fell in love with Juwan, Juwan Taylor, his rookie year. Yes. I did. I fell in love you with. Absolutely did. I fell in love with. I just say, hey, this guy's going to be one of the all-time greats. Yeah, I fell in love. <laughs> I, I just don't want. You wanted to like mentor him too. Yes, right? I yeah. wanted him when he came on the show. Yeah, I asked him. I said, "Are you re- are you prepared to be the best right tackle in history?" And he said, "Hell yeah!" I was I, I was I was willing to pass the torch. Yeah, and now look. Well, he's a rich man. Now, yeah. like, he's got two Super Bowl. Literally rings. two weeks ago, you were complaining he was, you know, what? not any good. Your offensive line's not any good. I just say he's led the league in penalties the last two years. That's all I see. Yeah, exactly. But I tell you what. I think speaking, you might have called him average, actually. You ready for this? Yeah. Speaking of Kansas City. <laughs> okay, now speaking of Kansas City, it, it, and this is where we're headed, all right? I, I, I watched on the news last night. It was last night or one of these last few nights. They're talking about building a brand-new jail that's going to cost a billion dollars. In a the billion, city? The city. Okay. A billion uh, versus uh, the refurb on the stadium, which is going to be what around two. Would you rather spend two billion on a stadium or a billion on a jail? I don't know, but 
this city obviously is going to be headed in that direction where they got to make the decision, right? So Clark Hunt, owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Got an F grade, by the way, by, by the Players Association. Yeah. He, yeah, he got no, by, a, the, by his players. By his players, yeah. Yeah, yeah. F, F minuses. I didn't know F minuses exist. Well, it's funny. I got I got to – right. I, I will bring up those numbers here in one second, but let me just give you this. The president of the Chiefs mm-hmm. at a news conference yesterday threatened to leave Kansas City he after their lease expires if the county doesn't vote to pay a higher tax to raise hundreds of millions of dollars so the family franchise – can increase its value by more of a by more than a billion dollars. Now, this is obviously someone's slant on this, but they are asking the county, Kansas City, and the Chiefs currently reside in for a billion dollars in county money so they can improve their facilities. And the joke is, from one of the person uh, chiming in on it that tweeted said he's asking for a billion dollars in county money the same day that he was voted the worst owner in terms of willingness uh, to invest in facilities. Uh, That is pretty funny. Well, if he was voted the worst, now he's going to ask for some coin to step up and make the facilities better. The Hunt family in 1960 paid $25,000 for the Chiefs. They were valued in 2020 at $2.5 billion. They were valued last year. At four point three billion dollars. Well, listen, the way the, the players voted, like they're in the sweatshop, the way they voted, oh, they, they the, ripped them, they man. Ripped them. I mean, they got all Goodness over. Gracious. And it, it was it's funny because it was the teams that were at the top. If you take a look at it, NFL owner grades, uh, as far as the ones that made it to the postseason. Let me see if I have this um, because it was definitely pointing out the fact that the teams that were loved on by their owners. Let's see here. A grades for the owners. Dolphins and Vikings got A+. Plus. The Eagles, Broncos, Ravens, Packers, and your Jacksonville Jaguars got A's. Right. A-minus for Bills, 49ers, Falcons. And then you start going down the line and you get to the ones that were at the – the teams that got the Fs – which is funny. They did have the F minus as a possibility, mm. and the Chiefs were the only ones that got an F minus. But Fs to the Steelers and the Cardinals. Mm. Now the Cardinals, you've heard that criticism before through the years. I did not expect that uh, so the, from the Pittsburgh so Steelers. So the Chiefs, back to the Chiefs and mm. F minus and Hunt with his F minus. Why, why wouldn't they just like go across the line? I don't, I don't know what county like Overland Kansas Park City is. Kansas City MO or Kansas City? They're Kansas. KS. I, I think Overland Park is Johnson County. Yeah. Just go there. There's well, they, they a ton might. of money there. Well, they might be making that play to get another stadium. They've been in Arrowhead forever, and they've been on the Missouri side of the, of, of you know that state I guess so, line. Uh, my, my whole thing is if he's threatening to move, he's not going to move the team to, like, St. Louis, or he's no. not going to move them no. to somewhere out of the state. He's probably going to move to the next county yeah, or something he, or, but or he over wants, in the state of Kansas. Yeah, he wants a billion in county money. Right. And so – when do you ask for that? When you're hoisting two Lombardis. Yeah. And and so he will even prob- with the F. Right. Yeah. He'll he'll and he'll he'll improve the facilities and that'll up his grade. All right. Let's head into the one o'clock hour. We'll stay on the combine. Uh, you guys hit the X poll as far as put those quarterbacks in order, and then we'll get back to some of the Jaguars' decisions that they got to make right here on XL Primetime. 
Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. One o'clock hours here at XL Primetime. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've got boots on the ground up at the NFL Combine. Mia, we heard from her in the noon hour. Heard from her a little bit later on. A good conversation with Rick Spielman, who's one of our guys that we have on from time to time, and he's a former general manager in the National Football League, so we want to hear that conversation coming up. And then also Chris Sims uh, will be with them up there a little bit later on, and we'll try and get some of his ideas on Trevor Lawrence and where he's going. Uh, I was listening to a little bit of Chris Sims talking to a handful of the defensive linemen yesterday, and look, there's quality through and through, but one of the defensive players uh, that was on uh, one of his podcasts comes out of Missouri. And the thing that got me is Missouri is sending – how many players did I tell you guys yesterday? Eight. Eight players to the NFL Combine. And we were joking around yesterday that Florida State has a dozen. We've got a bunch of other ones. Just a few that, that Florida has sent to the Combine this year. And you go back and you look at their first-round draft picks, and you've got AR, certainly top five. You're hoping, if you're a Gator fan, that – He's got a chance to to be a star in the league. If you're a Jaguar fan, you're not hoping that because he's he's playing for the Indianapolis Colts. But you get where I'm going. And then you go back over time, Kadarius, Tony, and some of these other guys, they haven't panned out. Right. They need to make sure that they get a star up there. One of the guys coming out of Missouri says, man, you cannot believe what Elijah Drinkowitz has done in this last year. So, Matt, is it is it a surprise to see the transformation or does it prove – a theory that if you're patient with a head coach, you give him time, you infuse the program with a little cash, which is what he needed, the ability to recruit, that you can get something going uh, and, and get it headed in the right direction. I think I think it's, you know, the easy way out is to say it's a little bit of everything. But honestly, I, I think as much as anything, it's NIL. Mm-hmm. That's And I was saying that from day one because people were saying, oh, it's – the rich are going to get richer. No, it's allowing other programs to build, to have success, to keep players that initially or originally would go elsewhere. A right. perfect example is Luther Burden. Luther Burden chose Missouri over Alabama because in part of NIL. If there's no NIL, he's going to Alabama. So I get that. So I, it's it's I, I think it's a lot of that. It's the transfer portal where it's allowed them to get players <clears throat> that they see they can develop. Like, Florida didn't think Tyrone Hopper was a player. Missouri clearly thought differently, and Missouri was right, mm-hmm. okay? And just guys like that. Um, it allows you to develop quarterbacks a little longer. They've developed Brady Cook now. They've kept him around. Now he's going to go in next year being one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the league. Um, their offensive line, same way. They've got guys now that they wouldn't have had in the past, especially with recruiting. They just landed another, another top 10 guy, uh, Nawari, I think his name, the mm-hmm. defensive end. Um, in this year's recruiting class, a five-star guy. They don't get those guys in the past. Well, well, let me, here's what I look at, Matt. Okay, how hard is it for a coach in this day and age to keep these guys from looking, thinking about money in the NFL? Very difficult. Because, because I, I, I think about when, when I played at Miami, I understood that collectively if we were good, everybody was going to benefit from it. You know, the NFL's if you're a good team, if you're a dominant team, the NFL is going to find you. you know sure. So you got these kids now, and they, you don't know, they're still on good teams, but it, NFL and money, how, how hard is it for a coach See, to keep them from The difference is you were in a different Petri dish there. 
completely different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about Jimmy, which is a subset completely different petri dish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jimmy's unique. He's rare. Um, I think now it's just, and this is not a slide at young people, man, because I've been saying, I have been the guy that's saying, look, I don't know why people are upset that young people are making money. Who cares? Stay out of their pockets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but young people are different now. They're not built like you when you were when you were that age. They're not. They see things differently. They've been taught differently. Um, the world is right at their fingertips with their phones. Oh yeah. It's it's completely different. They, ex- they have different expectations now than what you had back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. These guys go into college now, especially with NIL. This has changed dramatically in the last two and a half years. Well, I, they I, now expect to be paid. Yeah. High school guys now expect to be paid when they go to college. And here's another thing. The Florida High School Athletic Association is now starting to deal with NIL and how NIL is going to impact high school football. It's nuts. So, so uh, it's like I'm saying, it's a different way of looking at things now. That's, that's okay. kind of the way you have to look uh, at but it. But I, I guess my main point was is that Missouri has done something in this last football year that we did not expect. They won a lot more than I think most people expected. People thought Elijah Drinkwitz was going to be on the hot seat. He went. He was. He gave up his play calling. He made some decisions. He got good guys, coordinators on both sides of the ball. Bottom line is they made a quantum leap, okay? I don't know if they're going to be able to stay there, but like one of their prospects that's at the combine right now says, we are in the college football playoff conversation, okay? We are in it, right? Now, the opposite of that, with all the money that was available to them, are the Texas A&M Aggies. Yeah. With every flipping built-in advantage you could ask for for Jimbo. Well, and every player, to, too. Yeah. That to roster every, was stacked. Every, I'm, I mean, every built-in advantage, facilities, money, support, fandom, on and on and on, and he couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't do anything after he had what was rated as the best class in recruiting history. Well, he had, two, he had three top five classes. Yeah, so there's no guarantee is my point. And it is, and I just think it's kind of signal something special when you do see a Drinkwitz yeah, I mean, do something like this. Eli's a heck and of a then coach. Jimbo just completely fouled up uh, in, in, in Aggie land because he, I don't know what he did. But he no, just, and I don't want to minimize that either. Eli's a hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. I, I just think, he, there's not even a thing. He was clearly on the hot seat last year. Like if, if they would have had another six and six season, he was yeah. going to get fired. He knew it. Yeah. He, I'm telling you right now, I stood in Destin with him. Both of us were leaning against the wall, and we were laughing at like the crazy running around. Everybody's, right. fo- everybody's following Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. And he goes, look at all this, man. He said, I'm just trying to find a win, way to win seven games. Yeah. That's what he said. I'm just trying to find a way to win seven games. Think about that. And, and by the way, in Missouri, Leon, you can live with seven wins and not get fired for a while. Mark Stoops is living proof of what eight wins will get you in Lexington. Well, you can at least say get you a million dollars a dub. You can at least at Missouri, you can say seven wins. We're getting there, right? Florida, you cannot say seven wins. We're getting no, there. no. But yeah, my whole point is that there are levels of acceptance at programs. Oh, yeah. That uh, uh, the Bourbon Boys, uh, Big Bourbon Nation, uh, you pay Mark Stoops a million dollars a win. That's what they're paying him right now. Which I can is tell you just, something. They're not happy about six and six. I can tell you that. Well, that yeah. I listen. You you know how I feel. I think he's got. I think he's done well there. I think he's got a great gig there, and I think they don't necessarily take that next step the way he's being paid. Okay, Drink isn't getting paid nearly as much as Mark Stoops is. All close these, now. huh? He's close now. 
All right. All right. How about got a race? Let's do this real quick. Uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Um, let's fire up um, uh, from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Yes. Thank you very much. Let's see if we can do a perfecto real quick. Pacifico, found in Baja, imported by surfers for those that live life anchors up. So I'm at I'm at the Lou the other day. I'm enjoying uh, some delicious tacos with a Pacifico. You can't go wrong. Just make sure you get one of those delicious Mexican lagers, Pacifico. Look for it when you are out and about or order it up. Now, the world of college football has changed dramatically uh, with the way these guys are getting paid. I'm just going to ask you a very simple question. Who was college football's first $2 million man? Spurrier. I wanted to see if Leon was going to jump in. I wrote the Savage, story. Savage, Matt Hayes. I wrote the story for the TU. You did? Yes. You did? I broke the story for the TU. You did yeah. break the story? Yeah. So think about this, classic, Leon. That's a classic story of mm. me and Bianchi in Birmingham. And that. What okay. year? All right, so you've got to tell the story. The first $2 million man in college football was Stephen or Spurrier. And when you start going back and looking at the evolution of De Niro, that has made its way into our college football world, Mm -hmm. that wasn't that long ago. That was 2002. And it wasn't long after that that Danny Snyder threw $5 million a year Which was considered stupid money. Yeah. Yeah. $5 million was stupid money, and it was irresistible, and he he just couldn't turn it down. He had to go for it. But he was the first $2 million man. Now you got guys walking around. Like, that's scratch for some of these guys. Honestly, two million how much is wait, the world wait, change? Wait, wait, wait do you hear this remember i told you that you know stoops and drinkwitz mm-hmm. stoops is 8.6 right yeah guess what eli makes 9.2 oh my god eli got a bump over him <laughs> holy smokes so spurrier it, it, it's so funny i went back and i was was reading this story and it just absolutely cracked me up that was 99 i believe well it's in 2000 in 2000 steve spurrier was the only college football coach earning two million dollars that translates right now to 3.6 million today so you would think well wait a minute two million back then it's mm-hmm. probably no 3.6 million today yeah. and eli at Missouri is making basically three times that is what you're saying, or two and a half times that. Yeah, he's in okay. fact in fact the last two years of the deal are gonna be nine point six. All right. So three point six would not get you in other words, an SEC school could not pay that little and attract mm-hmm. the top. Coordinators would almost make three point six. It's nuts. Now they make a three point six. Well they're making some, in the there's, twos. There's high twos right high now, twos. coordinators, yeah. So that yeah. means O line coaches are probably at the the total, the end of the total boat. Like, no, put it to you not. this way, Leon. Yeah, yeah probably. Seven, eight hundred thousand. That's ridiculous. Okay, let me put it to you this way. Forget about like that's two million back then was Spurrier the first mm-hmm. to go over the two million dollar mark. It's three point six now. If you do the inflation, that's what players are getting now. Yeah. The top players are yeah. getting what the coach was getting back then. Let me should, uh, go ahead. What's name? Should do a Sanders. He he made four point one last year. Yeah. Let me, tell you so, the, let me tell you the classic, the, classic spur. Are you ready? Yeah. Mm. So this is so I I broke the story right, and we go to Birmingham for media days. This is I knew I was the asking the wrong guy the, my perfecto question. I knew listen, it. So the internet's still in its infancy, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to Birmingham. You know, Spurrier, he likes Spurrier. I love Spurrier. I love him to death. He's the yeah. best. But he he don't mind talking about Spurrier if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh sure. So 
That's we're, okay. We're, we're in Birmingham. He goes up to the podium, you know, the whole big room and everything, and everybody's talking to him. He speaks his 20, 25 minutes. Nobody asks him a question about the contract, okay? Because it was a source story, blah, 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 right? So the last thing he says as he's walking off, he, go, wait, he goes down and gets to the little group of gaggle of porters, and he's talking. Nobody asks him again. Right. So the last thing he says is, I guess none of y'all read the Times Union this morning, huh? <laughs> he, like, wanted people to know that he was now the highest-paid guy at $2 million a year. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Let me give you the salaries real quick, and then we'll get back to the combine and whatnot. Uh, only $2 million coach in 2004. Seven, or excuse me, a handful of others, seven figures annually. Bobby Bowden made $1.5 million. In the SEC, only two coaches joined Spurrier with salaries that topped $1 million. It was Nick Saban, one and a quarter, and Phil Fulmer, 1.05. That's where it was. And that even had people kind of up in arms that they were getting paid that much money. Mm. Now add up what these guys are making right now. All right, so when we come back, if you don't mind, Matt. The classics where he landed was with New Heisley. He left Colorado to go to Washington, yeah. got a million a year. Mm -hmm. And he said, I told Rick, what's going to happen when you actually win a championship? Yeah, exactly. And Barry Switzer could not believe that, uh, that that amount of money was being thrown out there back then. Yeah. Now, do you mind doing this exercise? When we come back, right. will you give me the total cumulative salary for the head coaches in the SEC? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. See if we can do this. All right. You All guys right. can hit the text line, make a guess, 641-1010. It is XL Primetime. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. We got purpose right here on this program. XL Primetime. Big Surce hanging out until 2 o'clock. Joe C., Matty Hayes, Denmark in for JJ. While JJ is still enjoying uh, that honeymoon vacay over in Italy. Mia O'Brien up in Indianapolis. We'll say hello to her coming up in just a bit. Again, after she has uh, been chasing down some of these cornerbacks uh, that have moved through the convention center up in Indianapolis. So we've had all sorts of guesses on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Total salary. I asked Matt Hayes, he of Saturday Down South, said how many millions if you added up all the SEC coaches. Now let me ask you this question. Did right. you include the newbies, yeah, uh, oh, the, yeah. the Oklahomas and the Texases oh, yeah. of the world? So oh, yeah. Sark. And Jeff Levy. Yeah, and, and the new hire, but I'm yeah. just making sure that we got all 16 Sark schools represented. Yeah. We have had guesses anywhere from 75 million to 110 million. Leon, your guess. Mm. How many teams in the SEC? 16. 16. 16. Now. And you heard the numbers. I heard the numbers. Absolutely. I heard the numbers. You know what? I'm going to go at 104 million. All right. It is, at least with Matt's rough math right now. Mm. $123.15 million. <laughs> Goodness gracious. $123. That's, that's just per year. Yeah, and that's just for if the head added, coach. If you added up the total salaries, yeah, these guys are all they're all guaranteed. You do not with, coach with the in the SEC money. without guaranteed. No, guaranteed yeah. deals. Okay. Guaranteed. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So yeah. you do not coach in this league without that. And then you got so, your – your offset language. If you, if you yes, get fired if, you add, or, or, if you add up all like what, and they all got what the deals are worth exactly. exactly. What the what the deals are worth, a total value. So oh um, my God, it's got to be in the close to a billion. Okay, so sixteen schools, mm -hmm. one hundred and twenty three plus million dollars. Okay, way, put it this way, your coach Billy Napier. Yeah, fifty one point eight million. His deal was. Whew. So the average 
The or 11 average, wins. The average salary is $7.69 million mm. for these head coaches. And Spurry was the first $2 million man. And Barry Switzer said, I bet it'll be double that in 30 years. So he was a little off. Yeah, he was. So Dabo, at least according to some of the numbers coming into this year, Dabo gets $11.5 million. Yeah. Yep. And he's worth every penny of it as far as what he's done up there. Just take a look at what he's done. Highest paid uh, coach as far as the ACC is concerned, I'm pretty sure. 10-year, $115 million contract in 2022. So the average is $11.5 million. Kirby, 11 and a quarter, which we had part of our math. Ryan Day, $10.2 million. Uh, he had the extension signed in 2022. Leon, how much did you say Mario makes? I think Mario makes what? Ten million? Is he around ten? That's bet, just that's crazy. I bet I don't know if it's ten, but I bet he's really close. Yeah. And Kalen yeah. DeBoer's right there at ten. Okay, when it's all said and done, uh, with the average salary of ten million dollars over the life of his See, contract. it's only estimated with Mario because it's a private school, they don't have to give out the numbers. Right. They estimated at eight, but it's gotta be more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley signed his hundred and ten million. Also estimated. Yeah, $110 million deal in 2021, estimated that he makes 10 to $11 million annually. They Norvell, also bought his house in, in Norman. Yeah, they bought a $6 then, million dollar house. And then bought him a house in Manhattan Beach. Yeah. Listen, you got to have a hell of a house for it to cost $6 million in Norman, <laughs> flipping Oklahoma, okay? you got to yeah. have some serious steer and property uh, there. Mike Norvell gets the bump to $10 million because his name was thrown out that there as possibly – Ten million yeah. he's making now. Wow. And, and Brian Kelly's just below him at that nine and a half million dollar mark. Uh Lane Kiffin, would you have ever imagined Hottie right? Toddy would yeah. be paying nine plus million dollars for their head coach? Matt Rule in Nebraska. He of court storming fame. Matt Rule, nine million dollars. Josh Heupel, we just mentioned uh, as part of the SEC uh head coach in math. He got his extension. Uh, so he's in that $9 million range. Anyway, bottom line is, you guys are getting paid a lot. The NIL is making sure the players are getting paid a lot, and there's still about to be a lot more money that's coming into the conference. Yes. That's for sure. It's insane. They're getting, again, I don't know why I have to keep saying this, just the playoff, mm-hmm. not anything else, just the playoff, $1.3 billion annually. And, Leon, did you see where there were a number of Number of athletes that already signed up for EA Sports where they're giving them 5,000. Yeah, 5,000 athletes already signed up for EA Sports. So 5,000 athletes are going to get paid how much? $600 and a game. <laughs> 600 bucks. And hey, by the way, well, see, most of the athletes that have signed already are guys who are already making money. So they, yeah. they, they want to be on the game. Sure. I, I'm, I, I just wanted them to use that as leverage. Yeah. Exactly. You know, collectively great, use that as, as leverage. Not only that, that is a great leverage point for them. Th- that, you know what that also is, honestly? That's a kind of an indicator of how they could form. How they, and I don't want to say unionize, yeah. but how they could get together as players mm-hmm. and say, no. We're not taking that. Right. You can't put any of us on unless all of us unless are Unless all X. of us get 20000 each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love $600. you got to be kidding yeah, me. Yeah, they're like, all right, I'm just going to show you this offer. And mm-hmm. before you say no, we're going to send you a free copy of the game. Yeah, that's how you do it. Okay? Right. This is right. Straight, we're gonna, hey, we'll send you a free copy, too. This yeah, is free. straight out of the Cosmo Kramer uh, playbook. Free coffee for Deal. life. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Done. Uh, and it was uh, an excellent point was made on the text line. Jimmy Sexton making more than any of them. Well, if you add up what he's making, 
off of all of them. He's probably getting paid like an SEC coach. I think Jimmy uh, has is. I think he's the rep for one, two, three, five, six, seven, eight, over half. Ten. Oh, way more than half. Yeah, yeah. He might be the rep for all but two. I think. That's classic. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Levy, uh, Sexton's like, I'll get back to you. Let's just see how no, things – No, I actually think Levy – Oh, you do Sexton, think so? Yeah. Okay, all right. Clark Lee? <laughs> I don't think he is. <laughs> uh, all right, well, anyway, that's just a ton of cash, uh, and we know that more and more is coming their way. And by the way, these are probably the people that are voting for that college football playoff to immediately go from, all right, we just ratified 12, now let's go to 14, and we could be on our way to 16. Because every one of them probably has an – don't you think they have a clause in their contract? Make the playoff, you make oh, that much yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how much more. And that thing's gonna be fourteen teams in two thousand six. Yeah. yeah. Maybe and, more. Maybe they, sixteen. Yeah, they haven't said that yet, which still cracks me up, that's for sure. All right. Conversation coming up with Rick Spielman uh, as we uh, hear from Mia O'Brien up at the Indianapolis NFL Combine. Uh, we will have that coming up right here on XL Prime. <laughs> Filling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Cranking along Thursday afternoon. Up in Indianapolis, they ran into Rick Spielman, one of our guys that we always like having on. He's a former general manager. And before we throw the interview, uh, Leon, what did Rick Spielman do to you back in the day? Well, he cost me half a million dollars. He did you dirty. He did me dirty. Yeah, you, Ouch, I, I, man. I, you know, I had, I'd been cut by the Ravens, and I was looking to come back to Florida and play for a team. And the, the Dolphins were interested in me coming back, whatever. So my agent at the particular time was Drew Rosenhaus. We were trying to get a million dollars to come play football for the Dolphins. And Rick Spellman told my agent, "Hey, listen, Leon's from Florida. He played in Miami. He loves Miami. The weather's beautiful." Leon wants to be in Miami. <laughs> We're not going to give Leon the extra half a million dollars to be somewhere he wants to be anyway. Oh. I was like, look at this joker here. He was right, though. He was telling the truth. Those were facts. Those were facts. Those were facts. And you just said, um, he I ain't thought, wrong. Right, I thought you okay. said he ain't getting Leon. I, well, listen, I was, in no, I, I, I was in no position of power. Yeah, no leverage. <laughs> no <laughs> leverage whatsoever. Uh, all right, let's head back up and hear uh, Mia's conversation with Rick Spielman. We say thanks to Hodges Mazda at the Avenues as they are the presenting sponsor of our NFL Combine coverage brought to you as well by the good folks at Window World of Northeast Florida. Please be joined with longtime general manager, now with CBS Sports, Rick Spielman. Of course, a buddy of our buddy, Pete Prisco, too. Rick, uh, talking. You're using that term loosely. Loosely. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, you always come every August with Prisco, and, you know, he thinks he's the mayor of Jacksonville, but we know there's plenty of Rick fans down in Duval County. <laughs> yeah, no, it's always exciting and everything that's going down on there, down there. And, you know, last year I got an opportunity for the first time to see the new facility and how everything is moving in, in the right direction down there. And so going down there with Pete, and it was actually my first time I've ever been to training camp without being a GM. So Pete was my guide, <laughs> and I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's the only time I ever went with someone from the media that actually wore a teal golf shirt to an event <laughs> to represent a team. I said, Pete, you got to be neutral. He goes, no, I'm the Duval County Mayor, or whatever the heck he says. Well, hi, listen, we appreciate both of you guys. We appreciate you spending time in Jacksonville. So you're familiar with this roster, the expectations that were so sky high last year coming off of that playoff run in 2022. What did you make of the Jaguars' season? I just think they kind of lost their rhythm. And in the past, it's always been a slow start and then a strong finish. And 
I remember the you know after that Denver game in London, then all of a sudden, I thought uh, Trevor Lawrence took off. He made a couple of critical interceptions in that game, and then came back and then got into a rhythm, and the defense was playing well, and then the the great playoff win. And then this year just didn't seem, in my opinion, they were in rhythm all the time or they just couldn't find a lot of the answers. And I know a lot of it has to do with Trevor, but he was hurt. And give him credit for gutting it out and trying to go out there and play with the injuries that he had. But I think they have a lot of pieces in place down there. And I'd expect them to rebound from probably a disappointing season off what they did the previous year. You believe the, the pieces are there. You can say they were injured, Trevor was injured, and run it back. Yeah, but you can say that about every NFL team, too. So right. I don't think I've ever been associated with a team in 30-some years that didn't have an injury. But I do think that they, you know, especially at the quarterback position and some of the key place people that they lost, that they'll continue to build that. I know Trent will do a great job adding again to the draft. You know, I know they made the defensive coordinator change down there uh, to get Trevor back on track. I remember Pete telling me that he thought he was going to be MVP of the league last year, which I think he has all the capability of doing. Absolutely. Let's say, uh, let's move to the draft then. With the 17th overall pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select? The best player on our draft board. <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of good players there, whether they go offensive line, potentially, you know, it's a real deep receiver class. Um, they can go defense, maybe add another corner because I think there'll be some corners there. So when you're picking down in the lower teens, a lot of times you have to wait to see how the draft board's unfolding. You may not have a legit number one guy that I have to have because there's a lot of good players that can fill a lot, a lot of needs for Jacksonville down there. When you have the number one overall pick, you already know who that's going to be. But there, you got to be prepared for whatever happens during the draft because there's so much that goes on, and you have to be able to react instantly. Uh, if there's a player, let's say you wanted a corner, and all of a sudden there was a run on corners, then do you try to get aggressive and move up? If some other team ahead of you may take the last corner you have on your board. So that, you got to really make sure that your draft boards develop, that you have enough options and that you have the options of moving up or down depending on what happens with other teams. Doug and Trent, very complimentary of their veteran offensive linemen, whether that's Cam Robinson, whether that's Brandon Scherf this past week. Some Jaguar fans wondering if that's smoke or if they truly believe that that offensive line, that the one they want, only played one of 17 games healthy together, as Doug noted to me earlier in the week. If that really is the answer, just getting that offensive line healthy, or do you have to go into the draft and find some new pieces? I think you have to get them healthy because they are good when they're healthy, and that showed that the previous year. But you also have to know, well, they're not healthy all the time too. So how much big of a concern do we have with the longevity of a Scherf, for example? Uh, can he play a full 17 games? If he can't, we know he can win games when he's on the field, but who's behind him? Can he step in and fill where we don't? fall off as much as we had to this year. So I think, you know, offensive line is definitely going to be one of the places that they end up looking in that 17th overall pick. Last one for me. Ryan Nielsen comes over from Atlanta as the defensive coordinator. A lot of conversation about how philosophically the scheme that he runs requires different players. As a former GM, did you ever have that situation where a coordinator comes in and you say, hey, maybe we do need to turn over the roster a little more than we anticipated because we need the scheme fit? Yeah, that's, that's tough on a GM. I've been through that numerous times when you have coaching changes because you're building a roster to fit a specific scheme. And 
So you're drafting those players to fit that scheme. And then all of a sudden a new philosophy comes in, but you just can't take all 11 starters and throw them out the window. How can we make what we have work? And then what are you looking for? So when we make additions, it'll fit your scheme. Do you think the Jaguars will be overhauling a little bit on defense, knowing what Ryan Nielsen likes to run? Uh, I didn't have the opportunity to sit in their post-draft meetings or post-season meetings, and I'm sure they identified strengths and weaknesses in the new scheme. So I, I have pretty good confidence they'll be able to handle that without my opinion. Last one, Rick, uh, the corner class in particular. It's pretty tough. It's you know pretty elite at the top, but there is some good depth. I know Chris Sims was just commenting the same to me. A lot of Jaguar fans, after Trent Baalke said, we need to identify our third corner. Now think corner at 17 is inevitable. What do you make of this year's class? I think it's a really good five or six, but I think they all have a different skill set. So some are better in man, but not as good in zone. Some are better in zone, but not as good as man. Some can play multiple positions. I don't think there's a clear-cut primetime Deion Sanders in this draft, or they'd be in the top 10. But I think teams will have those corners stacked on their board differently according to how their skill set fits their scheme. Who do you think is the best man corner? Mm, Boy, I can't. Well, I do like uh, Wiggins from Clemson. I think can play man. I really thought that uh, he did a great job in man coverage. But the guy that I think uh, is going to be a really good player that's not being mentioned in that top five is Rakestraw, the corner from Missouri, because I think he's a tone center on defense. I think he can play man coverage. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with his NFL career. Rick, thanks so much. Always welcome in Duval. (laughs) Okay, thank you. So he backed up my... XL primetime analysis of Rakestraw. I, I like that. You were ahead of the pack. Yeah, exactly. I'll take that. I don't know whether uh, that means, hey, listen, one of the last guys I got behind was C.J. Anderson. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Uh, not too. So not did too. Dave, though, to be fair. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Tampa was right there with him the whole way. Unbelievable. You guys, Unbelievable. You guys got, it was the combine that did it. it well, was, it was the running. It was it, the, it was the, the, what was the one play against, God, what was it? Who'd they play at? It was someone in a big game, Tennessee maybe. He chased down that guy from like seventy yards away. That yeah. was it. Y'all and got Elon. yeah. Y'all got yeah. fascinated by you know the, the the way he could run. And he played man. And 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 but the one thing I do like about Rakestraw is that while C.J. Henderson was not physical, this guy does play with a little heat uh, in his body. In oh, other words, yeah, he don't he, mind run support. No, he, he wants to be physical. Yeah, and so that's what I'm hoping, Leon, is that that's what Ryan Nielsen. Is looking for size guys with attitude. Exactly. You, you you need you need guys that can come in your locker room and change the temperature. <laughs> for real, on both sides of yeah. the ball, you got to change the temperature. I mean, right now this team, the way they finish, they they lukewarm. You need to you, you need to raise the temperature. You need guys that can change the temperature of the locker room on the field in the locker room. You need tempo setters on both sides of the ball. Maybe it's something about that franchise because Tyson Campbell was a guy that brought the heat, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's I, you just don't see that out of him right now, you know. Like well, he, he was an excitable, energetic guy at Georgia. Yeah, and I don't see that out of him right now. Well, mm. I, I think all these guys, the the enormous responsibility of what they got to do. Yeah, like, unless they are so, unless they are just head and shoulders above everybody else, because you got to have that extra fuel in the reserve to talk well, the talk. And, I mean, Devin Lloyd was the same way at Utah. Yeah, like same exact way, and now he's. He's not that guy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It is. Well, I mean, and I, I'm not. I'm not questioning he's guy professionally. But I'm just speaking on myself on my terms. I 
I studied soul. I studied, became a professional. So, so in tune to the game and what I knew, so I could go and play reckless. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you you got to you've got to do the work. You've got to do the study. You've got to do. And so I I love the way I played because I put so much time in study, mm-hmm. so I could go and play reckless. Because I, I I there was never a question of if I knew this or knew that or whatever. And I I, I I'm not. I just wonder if some of these guys mm-hmm. put in the work study wise, so they can just go out there uh, and be as fierce as they need to be on the field and fearless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, Denmark. I don't know if you have this uh, real quick where you can grab it before Cirque leaves, but Jared Verse. He's like, we don't have too many of these guys say this, and he might just be saying it because he's trying to convince that next team that yeah. it's going to draft him, uh, that he's you know spot on. Anyway, he says he wish he had not bowed out of the bowl game. And I don't know whether to believe him. I don't know whether that's a party line uh, because these guys, you didn't, you didn't even mm. need to make that decision back then. You were playing, period. Whereas these guys are all looking at the idea of opting out, and he says he kind of regrets it now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't think. Well, I was playing for a natty. Yeah. A little I, bit different. A little bit different. A little bit. Different. I was playing for a natty. So, but no, but I, 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 I can, I can understand that because I, I tell people this all the time that, I mean, it's actually in my book too. I mean, mm-hmm. fourth down the damn Alama story, Amazon. <laughs> I, but, but so the, the, the when the, when we won the national championship, cl- fourth down and damn Alama story. You get that you get out a, there. Get that at Amazon. Amazon dot com. You can, you can so, order the the actual hard copy or the audio. All the audio, absolutely. Or both. So I mean, I can understand because my my bowl game actually my last bowl game was actually in the Orange Bowl. We played mm-hmm. Nebraska for the national championship and won. Mm-hmm. And I remember. I was standing in the middle of the, of the orange bowl with the on top of the U, and I started crying because I knew I was never going to put on that uniform again. A lot of that, a lot of that. I mean, that the emotions of of you being in school three, four, five years, whatever right. years of when when you come to that that remnants or that understanding that you're never going to play for this school again as much as you loved it. I mean, it's heartfelt. So I can understand him wanting to get one more time. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Getting one no, more time. I, I with know exactly team. what you're saying, yeah. but but I guess the question is this then: the transitional nature of the game now. I mean, Jared Verse was there for two years. I mean, is is does he have that love for Florida State that he would if he were like you and you went spent five years there? Yeah, I mean, is it different? It's than a little anyway? different. Well, I, I just I, but, I, because I, I went from a boy to a man mm-hmm. at Miami. Because I was there five years, but I could still see where versus like, wait a minute, I I, I hit the big time because he told a good story about how he didn't grow, he didn't have all the people looking at him, he was six three, wasn't carrying all the the weight. Those two years had to be really special. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I don't I don't fault him at all for, for not playing <laughs> yeah. that game. Anyone, any of these guys, mm-hmm. I, they're I, making a strict business decision, right. man. I want him to play. So do I. That's a selfish mm-hmm. thing. So do but, I. But I don't fault them for not playing at all. Yeah. No, but I I think it's. You know, Leon said that, and I think it's it's part of the transitional nature. It's part of young people are different now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I I'm, can see that now that you said that, that if you're there for four or five years and you've invested four or five years of your life in that yeah, place, yeah. like if you Get if bit. you leave mm-hmm. high school and you walk onto that campus mm-hmm. as, you know, like a young dude but become a man, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that definitely. I think the first time I realized I was in the NFL was when we we had to go on the road. And we, we played some team. Well, I can't remember who we played. And we lost the game. And I get back on the plane, and all the guys in the back are like, 
laughing and joking and pouring drinks and stuff like that. And I was like, what's wrong with these cats, man? You know, because, you know, in college, you you lose a game. You lose it's a over. game. I mean, even Larry Brown talked about it. Larry Brown, we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. He yeah. said when the Cowboys were like 8 or 9 and 0, oh, and they lost right. the game, and they were like 9 and 1, and guys were in the back, you know, laughing and joking. He said, Jimmy Johnson went back there and said, hey, y'all know something I don't know? Mm-hmm. We lost the game. What are y'all doing back here? You know, so I, I was used to that temperament. Right. But I, I realized that, you know, once you get in the NFL, man, it's, it's, it's diff- different. It, college is so, so unique. So yeah. to these players, it's so unique to the uh, the rivalries. It's also the, uh, unique to the player. Yeah, like, to the like player. You you are going like you you you're leaving Miami. You know you're going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just a college dude like me or Joe. Like when I graduated, I was kind of like, wow, that's kind of cool. And then immediately I thought, I got to pay rent. Exactly. Immediately. Mm-hmm. I got to go earn a living. I right. got to get a job. Whereas you, you're like, all right, I'm gonna go play ball and I'm gonna yeah. get paid for it. It's awesome. True. Sure. Yeah, and you did say I am about to rake. I do think you did say that. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. <laughs> Went and bought that beautiful Jaguar. Yeah, it was spinning. Again, spinning. that is in the book, Fourth Down and Dam, a Lyman story. All right, Big Sirs, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. All right, appreciate it. All right, he yeah. heads out. Uh, they hooped last night in the O'Connell Center, the exact tech arena, uh, with the Gators against Mizzou. Uh, another important win in, uh, down the stretch. They definitely made things interesting. Let's say hello to our man Mark Wise in the 2 o'clock hour. Also Lee Smith, executive director of the players, as we get closer and closer to one of the signature events. Well, I can't even call it that because now there are real signature events. This is the crown jewel of the PGA Tour schedule. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. This is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. We got our man Mark Wise. We're going to start our Mondays with Mark uh, coming up. Uh, But it was Mizzou in the exact tech arena last night taking on those Florida Gators. And who better to be courtside providing analysis than our man Mark Wise. Mark, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, but I got to tell you guys, I think Dalton Connect just scored again. Yeah, oh gosh, lame, that guy. Man. He's unreal. <laughs> and I think, Mark, I think the last time we talked, like, and I know you know this, but Dalton Connect we're talking about from the University of Tennessee, this guy, he, he, like, he came out of nowhere, did he not? Northern Colorado. Yes. So here's the thing about it. He wasn't first team all big sky. Yeah. Wow. Who was first team all big sky is what I want to know. <laughs> he, I mean, Mark, it's like Grant Carter, man. We talked about him last week. Same kind of thing. These guys from the little schools get to the big environment and they just blow up. Man. Remember our, our guy from, from JU that went to uh, Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, just went nuts. The thing that I would tell you about Connect that is most impressive to me, uh, two games ago, our, uh, Tennessee was awful in their game at Missouri. It's a one-point game with 10 minutes to go in the game. And Connect, even in that game, went, no, okay, this has gone on long enough. Right. He did the exact same thing in a bigger arena, a bigger game with a bit with more on the line last night. But down the stretch, I, I don't care who they had on him. It, it, he, it, he was getting whatever uh, he wanted, whenever he wanted it. He is next level good. Yeah, he really is. And he can create and do a lot of things. But it's so funny, we're hitting the rewind button. It took 10 minutes to get 10 points in that game last week between no, no. Tennessee and Missouri. No, no, that's dark. Trust me, I saw it in getting ready for Missouri. I, I watched it. It was 
capital U ugly. Yeah, oh. Mark, I promise you we're going to talk about the Gators game. Yeah. But, I, I, but with Connect, it's – I'm telling you, I, I – you know, he's from Northern Colorado, like you said. You know, wasn't wasn't all conference. He might be the first, the first college player selected in the draft, right? You know, I, I'm not, I, I'm not wired in that direction, so I don't know about that. I don't. Whoever goes in front of him, that would be hard to to fathom. Um, I think he's the best offensive player at Tennessee since Allen Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, he a gives lot. Tennessee something they have not had in the last four or five years. Tennessee had to beat you during the regular season, and they're and they're marvelous at it, but they had to beat you defensively. Right. When you get in the NCAA tournament, that defense is good, but man, you got to score. You got you got to have a guy who can get you some points when the things when it gets bogged down on the half court. That's the difference yep. maker, and that's why I think Tennessee's probably better wired. Uh, better built to be the last team standing in the SEC in terms of NCAA tournament success. Okay, that's high praise. We always look forward to that because he knows I take his intel and I turn it into gambling uh, and betting lines. But, uh, <laughs> I, he should charge me for losing is what he should charge. All right, so we're talking with Mark Wise. He was on the call last night uh, with Missouri coming into Gainesville. And I tell you what, I think the one thing that I always like to say to Gator fan, Mark, at least with this team under uh, Todd Golden, is that, A, there's joy in Whoville for, for hoops, and I think that's important. Right. But there's right. always someone else that's stepping up. And Tyree Samuel, I, I, I mean, I love watching all these different guys, Walt and, and Zion and all of them. Right. Oh boy, right. Samuel, needed, when they needed it, he, he delivered last night. Yeah, and he delivered when they lost their leading scorer with 14 minutes to go in the game. Yeah. Um, that, to me, that was the more impressive feat. That Not that Missouri was the hang-around team. They've done that all year to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just one big guy short. Um, uh, of winning games in the league. And, you know, Samuel Hanlogden goes for another double-double. They took advantage of some switching defenses. And then against the zone, you, you know, it, it, we all know that the zone is harder to block out because there are no blockout responsibilities. You've got to be ball seekers out of a zone. So they took advantage down the stretch, but, man, they needed it because uh, with Clayton out and Richard struggling to find his stroke last night, uh, they needed offense, and he provided it. So, a couple things. Um, I love Zion Pulling. Yeah, and, and, and I, I want. <laughs> I want. I've been saying that all year. I know you have. Yeah, I know you have. I, I and, and I always look forward, and I know this is a pain in the in the, in the butt, but um, Zion Pulling, he's going to play in the NBA. I, I mean, he's got an NBA body, and he's got an NBA game. Yeah. That's number one. Maybe. Well, you. I want you to address that, but more importantly, you got Pulling, you got Clayton. Where is Kugel? What's going on with him? And how much better could they be if he suddenly finds it? Remember, uh, he he was the option A, B, and C yeah. uh, last year when Castleton went out. He's playing with better players yeah, uh, this year. And so he's not going to be option A. And he may not be option B. Uh, I said on the air last night he's got to participate. Did we lose you? Let's see if we got Mark. We lost him just for a second there. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll have him we back. back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's that's the thing I was like is is Kugel. Kugel doesn't even look like he's interested in the game right now. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to put that on him just yet. But I did. I think the point is is that 
you're right. They were leaning on him last year, and he was coming through because he needed to. They don't need to lean, lean on him He had 22 against Auburn in that big game, the mm-hmm. big win they had. And I thought, all right, this is where he's turning the corner. This yeah. is it. Yeah. He looked like he was into it. Yeah. And he just – he's had a couple games in the last – two of the last three games, he hasn't even played 10 minutes. Yeah, which is strange. And I do think maybe, hey, Todd Golden could be putting some pressure on him, saying, you know what, these guys are passing you, pal. Uh, and, well, he had Aberdeen playing instead of him last night. Yeah, well, which yeah. is crazy. And me. I did see at least a little bit of Kugel that made me think, okay, he's starting to get not not out of the doghouse, but get back in the good graces. Uh, but going back to Samuel, Tyrese had 28 points. Okay, yeah. made a dozen field goals. Seven, three of every four shots went in for him, and that's major when it comes to inside play because you saw a couple of times where it was either Condon or uh, you can go down the line. The, the stick backs weren't dropping for them. He's he's very soft around the rim. I don't mean soft in a bad way. Yeah. The way he touch. shoots. He's got soft touch. touch around the rim. Inside, you know, inside like, you know, three to five to six feet. He's got a nice little game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, and he's a hard worker too, man. He's not, it's not a beautiful thing, his offensive game, but you know what? Right. He scores and he's yeah. always around the basket. And he's not a guy that, like, you see a lot of those big guys, they get the rebound and they start doing the double. Head fakes, and then they throw it up there, and it clangs off the rim or the backboard. He's got really nice touch around the rim. Yeah, and that's what you want. And right now, and we'll hopefully get Mark back uh, where we can get him on, but a week ago, the SEC was at least churning towards nine teams making it into the tournament. And now uh, at least some of the forecasters are putting out there that they're down to seven. And we'll find out whether or not, you know, which of these teams is making – a big surge to get there as a higher seed, which is what Florida is kind of doing right now. And so we'll see whether or not they can keep it going. Well, these right, guys I'm- are also playing each other. Like, yeah, Ole Miss lost. They lost Alabama. So it's not like they're losing. It's not like they're bad losses. Mm-hmm. Like Ole Miss led that game for a majority of the game. Right. Yeah. I, I just think I, I, I look at that and I, and I think it's it's right yeah. now it's it's yeah. – it's clear that's the best conference in college mm-hmm. basketball right now. I don't think it's close. Well, Big 12 with nine, the SEC with seven, Big 10, uh, Mountain West, ACC, they're all right now around six or five, the Big East with five. Uh, so we'll see what they can do. Big 12 right. rep-based, man, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Repetition-based. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Reputation, I should say. All right, so if we can get uh, Mark Wise on before we're done, we'll try and do that. We also have Lee Smith coming up. Uh, from the players. So stick around for that. We'll go back up to Indianapolis at least one more time uh, and get an idea of what's cooking up there uh, with all these players starting to come through the convention center and get on the field and start doing some on-field work. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. 18 minutes after the 2 o'clock hour, XL Prime Time. Tripping back up to the NFL Combine with the Frangie Show. A little bit later on, Mia doing all sorts of good work up there, making sure that we get a lot of sound coming back our way. And definitely thanks again to those who are making it happen up there as far as bringing you all the coverage. Thanks to the Combine coverage presented by Hodges Mazda of the Avenues and brought to you by Window World of Northeast Florida. So I mentioned the Jared Verse comment that he had during his interview session earlier where he basically said, hey, that opt-out thing with the bowl game, yeah, I'm doing it for professional reasons, but if he had to do it all over again, he kind of thinks maybe he wouldn't. 
you know, it definitely was hard. I definitely, you know, looking back on it, wish I would put, put myself in a different position. You know, maybe went out there, you know, had a couple of the other guys come out there with me. I feel like it would have been a different ball game. But at the end of the day, that's all hips. I chose not to play in that game. You know, I had to stand by my decision. You know, those guys played, went out there, they played with what they had, you know, and they did everything they could. It was definitely upsetting to watch, you know, them uh, have to go through that. But I know they did what they were able to do. Make no mistake, he did it for his future, and I get that. Mm-hmm. And once there were a few guys that opted out and the severe injury to Jordan Travis, followed by the Rotomaker, Rotomaker injury, it just ended it for Florida State. And then when they didn't get into the college football playoff, then you had opt-outs galore. What was the total number? It was in the ten. neighborhood. It was double-digit. Ten, ten, like, impact players. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, two dozen or maybe even more how total. Do you, how do you look at Jordan Travis laying in that field and think, yeah, that could be me? How do you not see that? Yeah, I'm sure with those particular players on that team probably felt that, and that probably filtered its way through the locker room. All right, real quick, uh, one more from Jared Verse, in, including Mia asking the question as far as teams that have shown interest, because you could project him mm-hmm. as one of the top rush uh, edge rushers coming into the NFL this year. But anyway, outside the top ten, what other teams have, have at least expressed interest? Has there been a team outside the top ten that maybe has shown interest in you that you weren't expecting? Oh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of teams, you know, across the board. You know, I don't really – I've never been too focused on the draft order or anything like that because, you know, the trades that can happen, this can happen, that can happen, so I've never been too focused on any of that. But there have been teams, you know, across the board that have been interested. I'm happy, you know, that I'm in this position to be able to be interested by all these teams. But... Any of the three teams in Florida trying to keep you in Florida? There's been no <laughs> what was I didn't hear what he said. What was his response? Uh, I didn't care. It just said it so fast. But, yeah, he'd like to stay in the Sunshine State if he can. But the Jaguars, at the very least, have set up a prospect visit with him. And so he's one of the guys, along with Braden Fisk, that, uh, that Florida State has up there at the Combine that is a possible landing spot for him. But, yeah, you, you take a look at there's any number of players that are going to be yeah, looking he, at him. You know, he's one of those, he's at, he's one of those eye candy guys. He's one of those, if he's at 17, mm-hmm. if Brock Bowers is at 17, if Brian Thomas is at 17, you know, guys that you may not need, but my God. Right. And that's what I keep wrestling with. It's the impact and importance of the position that should give you pause. That's why you have to look at the just kind of hard and fast rule unless you are like, if you use the best player available rule, most of the time, you're going to build a pretty good football team because you're constantly turning over your roster. Now, this team does not have the luxury of constantly going back to best player available and ignoring their needs, but they can't always be married to need over talent. They can't. It will be a mistake. And I think that's where they find themselves is that if any of these guys drop, the Brock Bowers that you put up there, Maddie, as a possibility, you can't be lured into that trap uh, and have to explain away why you didn't get someone to block up front for Trevor. You went out and got another tight end. That would be foolish. I totally get it. You got Evan Ingram. You used a second-round pick last year in Britain Strange. I don't think you can go down that road. But at the same I, time – I mean, if you keep your two, if, if you keep your two for, for whatever reason, it doesn't, you don't have to give it to the Falcons, okay? Yeah. So if you keep your two, mm-hmm. you might have a chance to get a guy like Cooper Beebe. Mm-hmm which would be a nice pick, a nice pick. So if you've got, let's just say you end up with, I don't know, Brock Bowers and Cooper Beebe, I'd be all right with that. 
Yeah, and and so okay, I, I get it because if you're saying between, but you know what, if you, if you're saying, if, so your thing was Brock Bowers is you blew the pick with Brenton Strange. Yeah, so it, there's it, a couple ways to look. at It's that, admitting okay? it's admitting draft guilt. It is, it is, but it's also I don't I'm not giving up on him. Number one and number right. two, there's nothing wrong with having three tight ends. No, That's number one. No, number two, Brock's a guy that can go outside, right? And number three, at some point, Evan Ingram's going bye bye. Yeah, well, I can think of other teams that have multiple tight ends that make plays, and I'll just give you the classic example this last year. Mark Andrews goes down with a significant injury, and they just trot out Isaiah Likely, who looks more likely like a, like a superstar right. uh, than a backup. And I could not believe how good this cat was as soon as he, they, as soon as he, he got on the field. And so I get it, but that's what I thought – they were getting in Brenton Strange. And I think we we're in the same same school of thought here. Don't give up on him. Don't toss in the Nittany Lion towel. Uh, he can be a playmaker. But if you get to that point where you're looking around and you better have some other position of importance that has a comparable draft grade to keep you from making a mistake and going back to the well in a position – that you don't necessarily need to spend that high. See, I will say that on. this is my fear is if Brian Thomas is there, if Brock Bowers is there. Right. If, I'll be tempted with Brian Thomas there, big time. My fear is they're going to trade back, is yeah. they'll let someone come take the pick okay. and they'll trade back. Okay. But if they but do do that. But then you're taking a chance on however many spots you fall back sure. that the guy you want's not going to be. I know, I know. But if they do do that, at the very least, Balky will be getting something more than this last go-around where he couldn't sh- deal with anybody, okay? He looked like a guy that was with flea market credentials trying to go trade at, I don't even know, Saks or somewhere and just could not get anybody to be interested in what he was offering. In this particular case, they better get a quality player at 17, and if they do back out, then they better have a deep crop of draft prospects like you're talking about that are rated high uh, to move back. In other words, have a pile of possibilities and don't look like a you know like a dummy doing it. There have been plenty of other teams that have traded back. The and last looked, part of that sentence you just said was, you know. Yeah, but there have been plenty of other teams that have traded back and looked really smart when this yes, is all said and course. done. Okay? And, and I'm not saying that they should come out of another draft with double-digit draft picks. I'm not saying that at all. Because that was just a complete waste of time at the end. 13 draft picks? And you used every one of them? No way. There's no way I want that to happen. But make sure you get quality and don't get fleeced by somebody else. Well, That's all. Uh, yeah, make sure you got a guy that you not only can start, but you're confident that can start for not only the first few years, but can be a second contract guy. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. they went back into the first round for Devin Lloyd. And Devin Lloyd's kind of one of those guys where you're like, he's got potential. Right, but he's a question mark. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. And then so is your third-round pick with Chad Muma. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Two, two linebackers that you haven't seen enough of that were two of your first, what, two of your first four picks two drafts ago, and then you didn't draft on the defensive side until the fourth round, this, go, this last go-around, and you drafted two guys, one that was injured and never saw the field, and the other one that wasn't good enough to see the field uh, over the long haul. And the two guys this year, (laughs) one fumbled the ball all the time, Mm -hmm. and the other one, he's known for his holding calls. Yeah, so uh, no bueno, as we like to say on XL Primetime. Let's say hello to our man, uh, Lee Smith, Executive Director of the Players 
We're going to give you a chance to win some tickets to the players, so stick around. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Our man Lee Smith, executive director of the players, joining us now. Normally we like seeing him in studio, but I guess as the days tick along, Lee, and it's 14 days until they tee it up for real uh, at the players, uh, our, our dude's getting a little busy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're excited, uh, Joe, just uh... – Maybe keeping a little closer eye uh, as we get a little closer on the weather and golf course and all of those types of things. Uh, previous uh, tournaments leading into us, all those types of things. It's fun. Have you ever wanted to be a drone uh, in your life where you could just fly over the property over and over and over and keep checking everything? hundred uh, percent. I think I'd rather be a meteorologist. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can uh, I can get it wrong. I can get it right. At, you know, those types of things. But. Uh, no, we're we're excited. Uh, you know, twelve days from the gates opening, fourteen days from uh, you know ball in the air for the first competition round. Um, you know, the 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 fans, the local area are continuing to support the event, tickets and parking. Um, you know, all those types of things. It's uh, it's certainly fun to be a part of. Two weeks from today, round one, players championship. Yeah. Lee, how many times will you walk the course until then, just to like make sure make sure everything's good? Oh yeah, we were uh, we were out there yesterday uh, checking in on on venues. I think our goal is you know to make sure that uh, of the five hundred thousand square feet that are under tent that uh, we wow. get inside all the venues. And, you know, checking carpet and placing furniture and putting signs up and uh, all of those types of things. It's it's detail time. So uh, yeah, to your point, there's there's going to be a lot of steps put in. The ten thousand a day won't be a problem. Yeah, it's the truth, man. And what's funny, Lee, this is my own personal uh, whining, is that I got a bad wheel, a bad case of tendonitis, and I like to go deep uh, at the TPC. I like to be all over TPC Sawgrass, and so I'm hoping that uh, I get this left left ankle fixed up before we head over there. All right, so we've got the Cognizant Classic this week, and for folks that don't know, that's the old Honda Classic. It's one of the longest-running events that we've had on the PGA Tour it's down at the Bear Trap, PGA National. It's the beginning of the Florida swing. They leave Mexico. They come here. Uh, and I would think the energy level, like you said, everyone's supporting this event, energy level does kick up when the Florida swing begins. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you, um, you know, from a player's perspective, you have those, uh, you know, those folks that are that, uh, you know, really kind of horses for courses out west on on POA greens and uh, those types of things. And then when you come to, uh, you know, to the East Coast and come to Florida playing on Bermuda grass and, uh, and then you add in the fact that, you know, the field is is really, really strong. I think Rory, what, playing for the first time in 10 years down at, um, you know, cognizant, and then mm -hmm. you you lead right into a signature event at API, and and then the Players Championship. So, yeah, it's uh, we're starting to to ratchet up the excitement. Um, you know, the uh, the play is is close. Uh, a lot of our team is is down at cognizant, so uh, it's exciting. I mean, look at the the folks that are playing well there. The guys three, four under uh, guys that have already won this year. It's uh, you know looking for a really really good finish down there. Yeah, you got Rory. Minus four, already in the clubhouse, top 20 on the leaderboard. Billy Horschel, former Gator, former FedEx Cup champion, T7. And the other guy that I like, I think is a really good story, is Bud Colley, 
with Jacksonville ties. Okay, the kid uh, grew up here and went and played at Alabama. Anyway, he had a pretty serious auto accident, and he's come back from that bad boy. And Bud Colley, right now, at the very least, down at PGA National, he's T7 at five under par. I, I love seeing that. Yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, it, you, you, those stories are, are great, Joe. Um, you know, add in one of the things that, that I think is, is interesting. We've had three rookies win mm-hmm. uh, this year already in the first eight events. And I think if I, if I, the, when I looked most recently, Matthew Pavone, Jake Knapp, and Nick Dunlap, maybe we're all three or four under. Um, and so, you know, right in the mix there, you want to talk about how hard it is to win. But once you win, you probably feel like you can win every week. So, you know, they're going to be exciting additions to to the Players' Championship, maybe names that aren't as well-known but uh, are exciting young players. Some of them are not so young, um, but exciting players nonetheless. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll challenge here because they'll come in with, uh, with a ton of confidence. All right, Lee, two, two quick dates. What's the last day officially that, that Tiger could announce he's playing, and when do you guys need to know? Yeah, so the uh, PGA Tour policy is 5 p.m. on the Friday before. Um, and, you know, Tiger's, uh, uh, you know, past history has said that he usually presses the envelope right to the <laughs> right to the last minute. Um, you know, even even though maybe some would like that announcement a little bit earlier, uh, he, he's going to take it right to the last minute, uh, typically. And, and we expect that we prepare for that. And, uh, you know, we're excited for, for his decision one way or another and, and certainly first hope for health. Um, and then secondly, hopefully, he, uh, he, you know, he gives the, uh, the player stadium course another, another chance. We're talking with Lee Smith, executive director of the players. We've got Max Homa committing. Nick Dunlap, you mentioned him. He is a former U.S. amateur champ, uh, a star at Alabama. He's already won. Uh, out in La Quinta, and he's among those right now tied with Rory uh, at four under par. Uh, he's committed. Uh, you got Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, a couple of FedEx Cup champions. So uh, the the strongest field in golf is coming together nicely. Yeah, you know, a- absolutely. I mean, we we certainly target kind of two two data points. Is we have 144 players here, and our 144th player will. Uh, be significantly higher ranked than, uh, you know, the final player or the 144th player in any field around. Uh, and then secondly, I think it was last year, we had 97% of our field was fully exempt on the PGA Tour or on the DP World Tour. So, nice. you know, that those are certainly data points that other fields um uh, you know, can't speak to. So we're we're excited. Uh, you know, we we celebrate uh, not only our our most recent past champions, but um, you know, with our 50th anniversary uh, being this year, we're excited to to welcome you know some of our local past champions, uh, such as Jerry Pate and Mark McCumber and Davis Love nice. uh, and Fred Funk. So we're we're certainly excited to welcome them out to uh, to Sawgrass and. And maybe other champions that uh, will be walking around and the, and the spectators will get to visit with. All right, again, two weeks from today, the first round of the players. Lee, um, quickly, a couple of do's and don'ts, and then re- reaffirm the parking situation. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start with that. Uh, a parking, uh, as of yesterday, actually has sold out for, for Friday. Um, and we're well on our way to, uh, to selling out our general parking of uh, almost 8,000 spots uh, for Saturday. So 
those that uh, are thinking they're going to they're going to come on Saturday, get that parking now. Um, and if not, uh, we do have uh, obviously rideshare expanding. Our rideshare is, is presented by True Green, and we're uh, we're excited to expand those offerings as well as uh, our shuttle offerings from Nocatee, uh, downtown Jacksonville, uh, as well as our golf cart lots uh, and our bike lots will be very, very popular this year as well. So uh, hope like, hopefully that, uh, you know, that helps. Um, you mentioned the golf course uh, on the do's and don'ts. I think the, you know, the golf course is in a, a tremendous shape. I've had two or three different people have, have come and said, look, I just went out there and just stared at it. It is just absolutely mint right now. And so we're turning that over to mother nature and hopefully she cooperates over this, over this last two weeks. But I, I think what's important for, um, you know, the spectators to come out is, is make sure that you come out with an appetite. Uh, we've got 24, 25 restaurants through our Taste of Jack's activations, uh, our Sawgrass Village uh, or Sand Village, uh, Tacos on 12, Trucks on 10. Um, you know, the activations are those local restaurants that you're used to, to, uh, to attending, you know, throughout the year. We've got them out here. So we, we hope that you come with an appetite. Make sure the fan shop, our, our fan shop is going to be super exciting this year. We've, we've done collaborations with some influence, influencer brands. We've got a custom personalization station where you can actually heat transfer uh, a couple of logo patches. We've got seven or eight patches. You can put them on a blank garment wherever you want, uh, and that's custom made at the 2024 players. So we're, we're excited about all the new things that we're offering and look forward to, to having everybody out and putting on a good show. Yeah, I can't wait. I think there might be just just one more important thing: the deck, uh, ultra between sixteen and eighteen. Will that bad boy sell out and and encourage it, folks to get it done? No, you're you're exactly right, Joe. Thank you. We're uh, I, I think there's a chance just based on the on the velocity that that could be sold out uh, by this weekend, especially for Friday and Saturday. If not. Uh, the entire deck. So if you're if you're certainly interested in that venue between 16 and 18, uh, I'd jump on that now. And I would just add to that that our new venue, the Intercoastal Club, which also, uh, even though it's not on the the uh, 16, 17, 18 closing holes, out mm -hmm. on 12 and 13, yeah. is just going to be an awesome place to watch golf with a drivable par four, sports bar theme. We got 20 TVs going in. Uh, that intercoastal club um, and uh, overlooks 12 and 13. It's going to be a fantastic place to, to watch golf and uh, still tickets available for that venue also. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that the boys from sunset grill, they have charted their path crossing uh, the water from the Marriott over. And so I'm going to have to make sure that they know about that bad boy. Uh, exactly. Yeah, they, they are, they are chalked up and ready to go. That's for sure. All right. <laughs> We're going, to throw, we're going to throw a trivia question out, which I know you've got to know this answer, but we've got a pair of tickets to the players Wednesday's practice round, along with 50 bucks to Top Dog Tavern, uh, and we will get the first correct caller to our man Denmark. And I, I'm, just, I'm going to look at you through the phone knowing you know this, Lee. Jake Knapp and all of his biceps won this past week the Mexico Open at Vedanta, a rookie. Where did he play his college golf? 6'4", 10 Six four one ten ten. You call up Denmark. You get the answer correct, and you will get those tickets. Uh, Lee, thanks, buddy. We will talk to you next week when the countdown will really be on. You got it. Thanks, gentlemen. Look forward to seeing you next week. All right, thanks, buddy. Lee. Lee Smith, executive director of the players, will give you a chance to win those tickets. Fifty bucks to Top Dog 
and a pair of Wednesday practice rounds, 641-1010. Farrah and Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. I affectionately refer to Hayes Carline as the embedded and shredded, and we know because he's got a gun show most of the time. But I guarantee you, he goes up to the combine, looks at those 225 plates, and says, you know what? I could put up 20 right now. Hayes <laughs> Carline, you could, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, what, what I really love is having a broken elbow. Oh. That's, uh, that's, that's what I would get uh, if, I, if I tried to raise that. Well, I probably wouldn't even get it you know, off, the, uh, off the bar. But, but should uh, the spotter help me, it would be two broken elbows, Joe. That's what I would be looking at. Uh, the, uh, the it would be, would be ripped uh, It would off. be like, yeah, it'd be like, uh, it'd, it'd be a horror show. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's really uh, been enjoyable today. I, I I thought today had a lot of juice, uh, particularly for the Jaguars, with it being uh, the corners day, uh, and it was fun seeing Brock Bowers, the tight ends uh, mm-hmm. earlier. But I, you know, I like we've said, I think Brock Bowers that's sort of a pipe dream. I think that that he'll be there at 17, and even if he was, I I understand that, you know, the the need isn't really there for the Jaguars. He's just I think going to be a great pro. But the corners, Joe, are great, and that is a need. And it was uh, it was an impressive group today. I, you know, it was really, uh, really fun hearing from these guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of reasonable momentum that it could be a corner at 17. Terry and Arnold out of Alabama, uh, I thought was really impressive. Toledo's Quinion, uh, Mitchell, uh, joined, uh, late, but, uh, but I thought, uh, really, uh, really was insightful with, with his answers. And, and obviously he helped himself tremendously at the senior bowl and, uh, Rakestraw out of Missouri, uh, you know, has a lot of fans here as well. So, I, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because one of those three is going to be there at seventeen, and I, uh, and 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 I think there's a good chance one of those three is a Jaguar. I've been loving on Rakestraw Hayes. I do like him attitude wise, performance wise. And then Matt was bringing up, you know, you had a conversation with Terry, and, and then you were saying that, you know, between him and Kool Aid, they had to decide who they weren't throwing the football. Oh, I mean, well, in 2022, they were not throwing it Kool Aid's way yeah. at all. Yeah. At all. And then it kind of changed in 2023 because Terry and Arnold developed into this elite corner. Yeah, I think they're both good players. I mean, Terry and Arnold doesn't, runs much faster, I should say, than, than Kool Aid McKistry. That's, that's the difference right now. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and that's what I think is going to be so intriguing. And, and again, there, there's other routes they could go, but. Uh, but I will say this corner group in particular, just seeing all of them in person, great length in the class. We, you know, we'll see how the, the testing comes in. But from a physical standpoint, uh, I was impressed with the group on the whole. Uh, so if the Jaguars do decide to go elsewhere at 17, you know, I think they could do well at corner uh, in, in, in the rounds uh, following. So I'm excited to see where it goes, but, uh, but I, I thought it was a, a really strong showing for the corners today, and it was fun hearing from Brock Bowers. So, yeah, lots, uh, lots of good stuff here at the Combine today. Uh, Frank is uh, uh, caught up with Bucky Brooks, so we'll look forward to playing that. Uh, Mia caught up with Chris Sims and, and Rick Spielman. So uh, lots coming up. Pete Prisco is going to join us. Uh, Kevin Kaplan is going to join us. Uh, so we always love cut, catching up with uh, Dr. Kaplan. So uh, should be a really fun Frangie show here in Indianapolis. Caroline, real quick before you go, we've been having this argument, yeah. we've been having this argument all week. Brian Thomas is there at 17. You taking corner or you taking Brian Thomas? 
It's it's dependent, um, but for now I would take corner over Thomas. Uh, but if you know, look, if Ridley gets away, then very, receiver very you know yeah. takes yeah. a step up. So, but I'm assuming Ridley is back. I I still see receiver as something they are eventually going to have to invest in uh, through the draft. But uh, but I think for where they are right now, if I had Ridley, I'd go corner over Thomas. All right, we're going to ask you a thousand of those uh, before right. uh, all of our yeah, combine action is right. done. But we got to turn you loose now. Uh, so enjoy it. We've enjoyed all y'all's coverage up there. So we'll be listening, bro. Thanks so much. Take Great care. Good job, Carlin. All right. Hayes, French, Mia, they are all up there. They'll have plenty more coming as, as Hayes was just setting up some of the conversations that they've had. So we are done. We'll be back at Newman Yana Players Grill Mandarin yeah. tomorrow. So come on by. Say hello right there on San Jose Boulevard. We would love to see you. Uh, for now, we say goodbye. Joe C., Matty Hayes, Big Surce, Denmark. Good job, brother, taking care of us. And we got the French show coming up next.